Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Apple Hockey Podcast. The Holy Trinity is back. I am delighted to say that. I am also always delighted to say I am your host, Mark Williams. Got that one pretty quickly. And I am joined by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. John Filkowski. May I have a little offense, please? Please, can I have some offense? Uh, I'm starving <laughs> over here. You want more? And the man who hasn't seen a goal against since Friday night, Mr. Anthony Loraco. Are we are we living in a, a alternate universe where the Buffalo Sabers are a good hockey team? You know Ish. something. <laughs> I, I, I it's amazing how addition by subtraction can really work sometimes. But also, it's amazing when you get a coach like Don Granado on there, where the players have bought in and believe in yep. him. So uh that also very much helps as well uh well we got a lot of news to cover today we also got a lot of news to break to you uh it's coming soon will be bigapplehockeypodcast.com which will feature written articles by the three of us as well as other news and information opinion pieces and it'll be a hub for our videos as well um, not just YouTube, although it also shoot you to YouTube anyway. Um, we'll also be having, uh, we're in development right now of a Filk wrestling channel. If you want to hear that guy talk about wrestling, just make sure you comment down. I want my Filk wrestling. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's get down to uh, the lead story with the New York Rangers, which they have won four straight and then got torched at home by the Calgary Flames. But they shouldn't feel too badly because the New Jersey Devils got torched at home by the Calgary Flames as well. Who would have thought we'd be talking about Calgary right now with two straight wins in this area? But wins over to Montreal, Toronto, Nashville, and Ottawa. And I don't know exactly which one of those I want to write home about right now. But Chris Kreider, of course, still leading the team. Igor Sesterkin was incredible. Actually, you know something? I got Anthony on. I forgot to do this, guys. So I got to I gotta cut back because we prepared a cold open for you. Enjoy. <laughs> Holy God. Lock and load. Rushing ahead, what a save! Ilya Sorokin. Pickard on loads, club save Sorokin. Are they not getting through? No, sir, not one. They must have some kind of protective shield over that hole. Knights, pull up, pull up! Got you covered, Big Daddy. Hughes has it, slot, picks up, rebound, holds to Sturkin. And they got shields too. And that's going to do it. So the Islanders, yep, surgical for sure. Who pulls back-to-back shutouts. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You know, I spent all afternoon making that, and then I never put it on at the right time. <laughs> so, but, that was awesome. So we're going to be – this is going to be a theme for the basically both teams right now. I mean – Going are forward, they being yeah. carried by their goaltenders, guys? I mean, I, I, I don't think one team is going to be carried by its goaltender. I, I think one of them will be for sure. That's the boys in blue and red. 
the boys in blue and orange have a real good coach and a real good system to fall back on. It's the other one's still of, learning it, but yeah. Yeah, the, the, the other one, I mean, listen, it's an adjustment period to Gallant. I, I will say that, but there are some fundamentals that need to be fixed. But to get back to the goaltending itself, I mean, both of them have been great. Um, Igor Shosturkin, since we're on the Rangers right now, we'll, we'll talk about Igor, but he's been phenomenal. He wasn't helped out in Calgary on Monday, but he he was phenomenal in the, the three or four games before that. So um, somebody should be getting this man a stake in every city that they go to because he's deserved it. He's carried the team. And they need more. They need more. The offense needs to step up and start giving him some support and, and giving them something to work with. And, and they have to, to to get the puck out of their zone effectively. The, the face-offs, the, the, I mean, 31st in the NHL, it's unacceptable. Un- unacceptable. You can't you can't do that. I, I, if, I don't know where he is right now or what he's doing with himself or he's, if he's completely disconnected from the game of hockey itself. But somebody freaking call Yannick Perot up and have them work with the Rangers on taking face-offs because that guy was a beast at face-offs. He was 60-plus percent almost every year for like a, a, like a six, seven-year span or something like that. Get that man in and have him work with the Rangers. It just, again, like, like Dave said, too many turnovers that doesn't help but get Igor some help because all he can do is just be a wall yeah no soup for us no offense for us Ranger fans because there's only been one game in which they've scored three or more non-empty net goals in regulation this season pathetic I mean uh, again uh, sometimes like I, I referred to him in the preseason, Artemi Panarin is the ultimate deodorant. Well, so can Igor Sesterkin be. And in hockey, you're in that unique situation where the goalie can literally just lift the team up when, when they're not playing at their best. And yes, Patrick Nemeth has been a huge Awful. problem, a Awful. huge problem so far, but he won't be forever. Although he's got a three-year deal. Let's just be honest. He's another Brendan Smith. The bad version, well, not the, the version that was actually – had some had some value. But, um, and you look at the game on Saturday. Uh, Georgia was okay. Those two no, goals Georgia was pretty good in that bad. Game. Well, the, the goals were not good. But No, the second goal wasn't good. The first goal, really, there was nothing he could do about that one. He, there was a, it, was a, it was an odd man rush. But the, the second goal, what was that? Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, that's – and especially when it's right in the, the beginning of a period. But the Rangers came back, and you know how much how much of a rarity that is to win a game in regulation? Got the I got the graphic for you right here. I mean, it's only happened uh, eight times before this since 1999 to be down by two goals in the final five minutes or six minutes and win in regulation. So – but that's just not it. Uh, but the thing also to look at right now is this Jacob Truba quote, and I'm going to throw it up right over here as well, uh, that the team feels a little bit more comfortable. And I think that's, what's going to go a long way. That eventually that they're able to make mistakes and stuff like that. It's just, they well, yeah, need to micromanage them. <clears throat> 
Sorry, what? I said Quinn micromanaged them. That yeah. you can't do that, and, and you can't tell players don't play with the puck in your backhand or don't don't stick handle at all on a two on one. Like what? What kind of garbage? Like amateur level coaching is that? Well, again, that's where you're confident with having and a Jack Adams Trophy winner. So I'm going to bring in the opinion of the guy who also has a Jack Adams Trophy winner on his bench, Anthony Larocco. Yeah, so the the Rangers, you look at the record, um, and as a Ranger fan, you got to be happy at this point. But if you got if when you look at the big the bigger picture of it, though, they beat a Montreal team that's that's really bad right now, guys. They beat a Maple Leafs team that's also struggling mightily. They More beat, on that later. They beat a bad Nashville Predators team, and they beat a bad Ottawa Senators team. But you know they say good teams got you got to win the games you're supposed to, and they did that. My issue with it was for a majority of those games they were carried by Shesterkin, and I don't know how sustainable that is over a long course of the season. It's not, it, it's not, and it has to change. Um, and the other thing is, Zabenejad's got a decent amount of points, but he's got what six. Seven points in six games or something along those lines. But he only has six four. points, a goal, and five assists. So he only has one goal, though. I mean, for one of your better goal scorers, you gotta, he's got to start scoring. He's got to put the pucks in the net. And Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin is an elite player in this league. Um, and right now he's you know, he's not playing like it. So, yeah, they, they, they got the good record right now. That, that's good. But there, there are issues behind the scenes that the casual fan might not see and just, you know, jump for joy with their, you know, four, two and one or whatever they are. But um, there are some issues they got to clean up. And first and foremost is the their best players have to be their best players. Uh, and they can't leave Shesterkin, you know, out to dry all night because as good as he is, you know, he's not going to shut the door every single night. So, um you know, it's some. I'm I'm confident Panarin will find his game. I'm not really worried about that. Um, for me, it's more so their their transitioning game uh, that concerns me. Um, and someone's been reading my good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. And I've also I've also caught a bunch of their games too. And I mean, honestly, you're you're spot on there. Um, and then overall, they're 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 playing the defensive zone. I mean, we'll point out Nemeth and Tenorti, uh, but they all got to awesome. be better. By the way, if you haven't uh, checked it out yet, check out our Facebook page, either our fan page or our, um, our group page that we got, and check out Filk's Good, Bad, and the Ugly. He'll do that after every single Ranger game, win or lose. And yeah. uh, Monday was a lot of ugly. So, Yeah, there was no good or bad on Monday. There was just all ugly, and it was <laughs> ugly at that. So... But Anthony's right. Um, the transition game is something that I've been pointing out all season, all over Twitter. I, I've had this discussion with many people, and the transition game is awful. I, I don't know how this team is so bad in transition. Transitioning their puck out of the zone, their breakouts are horrible. The, the passes simply just don't connect for whatever reason. So a, a lot of times they'll either they'll miss the connect on the pass – and it just results in a turnover, the other team having it and going back the other way, which results in more sustained pressure in their own zone. Or they turn the puck over, which is even worse, in their own defensive zone. And that leads to more chances against. And, you know, like you said, uh, Artemi Panarin, Igor Shesterkin, the ultimate deodorants. You can only use so much deodorant until that smell starts to reek through. 
<laughs> and that's basically it's basically what happened uh, in uh, against Calgary on Monday. It just you can't keep doing that. This play is unsustainable. All Ranger fans who have been around long enough, this is the 2015-2016 team all over again. And someone told me that, well, you can't compare the two teams because the 2015-16 team was a veteran team that a lot of guys were starting to go into the back nines of their careers. Well, no, because they're doing the same exact things that that team was doing. They were turning pucks over. They weren't getting enough offensive uh, zone time. They weren't generating enough chances. Power play is piss awful again. I mean, I don't understand how this power play is as bad as it is, but I, I think we need to see Mika Zibanejad move from that near side board for that one timer in that Ovechkin office. I think he needs to move to the bumper spot. Artemi Panarin needs to go from what Ryan Strom's spot was over to uh, Mika Zibanejad's Alexander Ovechkin spot. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere needs to be where Artemi Panarin is now. And then Chris Carter needs to park his ass in front of that net with Adam Fox at a point. So uh, there's a lot of things that are wrong with that power play. There are a lot of things wrong with transition. Um, They're just too sloppy with the puck. And they refuse to seem to kind of want to dump and chase against teams that are preventing them from gaining any type of speed or momentum through the neutral zone like Calgary did on Monday. So that that's got to change. And that's a mentality change. That's not even just coaching. That's the players that's on the players to do that. Well, first they're not playing their best hockey and they got points. That's the good thing I have to say out of that. Uh, you still have to be confident that Gerard Gallant is going to address these things because he's done that in his previous locations. I yes. believe the the first season that Florida really broke out. That they um that, yes, that. as a matter of fact, they don't. Oh, that's gotta change. That's so gotta change. The first season that they broke out in Florida, they started slow and then built it up, and then they had the statement win against the Canadians. Um the the other thing to throw in there is it's almost better when the team struggles because then there's more stuff to coach on. I think John Tortorella said that once. And uh, th- there's there's a lot more to go with that. So they're going to be, I think they're going to be okay. I think they need to address certain personnel situations because the question still is, is Filipino long for this team? I've seen flashes and it's just, I don't know. I think they may need to, to, to move him out, but we're going to find out about that. Anthony, you know last word on this. Oh, wait, Can we answer on. this? Because I, I know it's not Q&A time, but I, this is actually a really, really good question from Chris Tate. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I, and I, I know I've said this in here, and I'll give Statboy Steven the credit because he was the one that brought it up, even though I've kind of done it so in the past on my own. The last forward that they've developed that has scored 60 or more points with this team is Tony Alonte. Like, yeah, that's a long, long time. That's almost 30 years ago. So, yeah, why I mean, you could it? argue Adam Graves developed with the Rangers, but still. No, he wasn't drafted by them, though. Yeah, he was still with Edmonton first. Yeah. But there's, there's no, there's he not was right before Edmonton. You, you can see the look in my eyes. It, it's been a while. I mean, Ryan Callahan. Maybe. No, Ryan Callahan never hit 60 points. Never. No, but still never hit 60 points. But still, that was a quality forward that they developed. 
I mean, Chris Kreider hasn't turned into the 30 goal, 60 point scorer that, you know, everybody hoped he could be. There's been nobody that's done that. And and this team has had such a problem developing forwards. I just don't get why either. I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any I sense. I question all the players, period, that they haven't developed. Forwards, goaltenders, everyone. Who are the two best players that they've had over the last 30 years? Brian Leach and Henrik Lundqvist. And really, they 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 really barely developed Leach. He was at Boston College, and then he came over, and he was just great. And then Lundqvist had most of his development in the Swedish Elite League. So, all right, Anthony, your thoughts on the Rangers? What's gone right? What's gone wrong? Um, well, Christy posed that question. I was glad because uh, speaking of developing forwards, I I need to see more from Lafreniere. Um, I need I need to see more from him. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I'm with you. listen, his second well, year, by the way, Anthony, that's a quote that he had. Alexei Lafreniere points the thumb. I have yeah. to do the same things every game, be more consistent. It's really on me to do that. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's a second year player, so I'm not ready to like, you know, throw him away by any stretch, but, um, for first overall pick, um, he, you, you typically want to see more flashes of, of brilliance out of him. Um, or that, you know, that real offensive flair and you, and you haven't, you haven't really seen it. Um, I know, I think some people, I don't know if some people are expecting him to be like a generational player, which was never the case. I don't know why some people would have even said that. Um, I saw someone on one of Philk's threads. I don't know if it was the Facebook account or Twitter talking about that. And it was and never said about Facebook. So if you have, if you have that kind of expectations going in, you're going to be more disappointed than you even, you know, are right now. Um, but uh, he's listen. He's got he's got to be better. I mean, you invest when you get a first overall pick. You really need to hit a home run there. And don't get me wrong, he still can be, but he needs to start showing more. And, and a yeah. second overall pick. Don't forget yeah. about Kako. Yeah, well, he's been, still out on Kako. Yeah. And well, yeah, we talked about that in the summer. You know, granted, he's been hurt. The three games he's played, he hasn't got a point. But you know, he's been hurt. So we'll see what happens when he comes back. But yeah, I mean, the both of them really have really have to step forward because I mean, you imagine if they don't first and second round pick that you missed on. I mean, that that's, that's really hard to recover from. Um, but and when I can say we're not at that point yet, but they really do need to start producing more offensively. The other thing I always bring up in situations like this is if you trade away player X, let's say for instance, they trade away Vitaly Kratsov and he doesn't blossom. Then you have to start questioning the talent evaluators who looked over and said, that's the guy that I want instead of another a player Y, like Oliver Wallstrom, that we're going to see plenty of. It's just, or Noah Dobson, or, I mean, there's, the list goes on. I mean, uh, Marty Natchez is another one that you just, you look over and go, that guy could have been a Ranger. But somebody saw something, Gordy Clark, and said that's the guy we, we should make the decision on. So that's why you, you Nils Lundqvist better come through. Um, and I'm not saying the player needs – this is the pressure on the player, more than it's a pressure on the scout and the front office guys that made that decision. Certainly not the player. But uh, we're going to keep talking Rangers for another few more minutes. we got a guest coming on in a moment. Uh, it's Darius Kasparaitis. Hopefully my friend Russ is watching. And that was his favorite player growing up, <laughs> yeah. uh, which again, one of the funnier stories to tell about him was uh, 
he called me up the day that free agency happened. And he was like, Casper signed with the Rangers. Casper signed with the Rangers. And he was a little bit in tears. And I was, I was, I was kind of smiling about that. I'm like, ah, your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is another good one from Chris. We don't know if it's the talent evaluators or if it's in-house development, but you, you, he's right. We, we, we don't know if it's just because that, that's been the issue with Vitaly Kravtsov. The whole the, the discussion comes down to did they did they miss the person? Did they miss the, the character defects with him or did they take the risk on knowingly take the risk on it and they just couldn't develop him right and handle his personality? Either way, it's a bad look on the organization both ways. So um, I, I just it. it this is just a really good point that I wanted to bring up. While I, I think still... that's a great point. And what I'm also going to go with for that is if they're going somewhere else and developing, then it's just the development. If yeah. they're going somewhere else and they're still not avail- developing, it could be then just the talent evaluators. Yeah. It could also be both. Yeah. Let's it be could honest be about that. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? It's funny because they, they can't Nick Bobrov who made what we all thought were some really good picks with their European guys. And Nick Bobrov, if you guys are familiar with him at all, I actually met him at the, uh, the 2019 uh, prospect meet and greet um, up in uh, the city. And I was talking to him for a little bit about some of the guys. Good guy, really, really nice guy. But Nick Bobrov was the one who found guys like David Krejci and a lot of those guys for Boston in the early to mid 2000s. Yes. Mark Savard was traded stupidly away. They just, and there were signs from Mark Savard and they gave up on him for whatever reason. I don't know why they did. That was just dumb. He would have helped them out so much. I, and sorry about the dead air for a second. No, it's no, just, no. It's, it's one of those things. And we're, we're still killing time waiting for Darius Kasparitis to get on in here. Um, yeah, I mean, Anthony's I watching like a hawk, fortunately, as we're babbling on like idiots. But it's <laughs> it's one of those things where they could have had, and Nick Suzuki, too, by the way, they both of them could still be the problem, one of them could be the problem, but you also don't know. I mean, David Quinn, we're we're all blaming David Quinn soon. And again, take Lafreniere and Kako and shove them out because those were the no brainers. They were central scoutings, number one and number two. So it wasn't going to be that. The Rangers weren't going to pass on Kako for Kirby Doc. It wasn't going to happen. Um, or even Quentin Byfield for Alexei Lafreniere. But it's just these guys, once you get the talent, what are you going to do with it? You can't just put them on the fourth line and have them play with Brett Howden and go, don't worry, you'll do a little bit of the NHL work. But and power play one is – one of those guys has got to make it the power play one. Now, also, by the way, please to to the players, jump up and take that spot. Alexei, you've got to do that. You've got to go up and be just just play so well that they can't help but give you more ice time. That's the only thing that you can ask for him to be. Oh, I mean, yeah, he because. If, if he doesn't, then that, that really hurts the Rangers offensively and their, their forward group. You know, that's what we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago. You know, we're talking about the downside to this, you're relying on so many young guys, you know, because if, if they don't if they don't play the, to their expectations, 
you know, that, that hurts your team big time. And it magnifies even more when your best player or Tammy Panera is currently, you know, in a slump or whatever he's got going on. So um, it's imperative for, for, you know, them to really start to come through here. And it's also imperative that Mika Zbanejad gets going. And as we saw what happened last year, the Rangers kind of went as Mika went. Yeah. I'm like, you know, right now, the guy's got, you know, one goal. I mean, I know he's he's got the points. He's getting some assists. But, you know, he's – let's call it. He's their best goal scorer. I mean, he needs, he needs, to, he needs to score goals. I, 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 you know me. I, I'm, I'm the cynic. I can be the negative one. But I will play devil's advocate here. Mika Zibanejad has not gotten help from Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider – being the, the having four goals this season in what seven games and the way that he's gotten them is the most rangers thing ever hashtag that's so rangers because chris Kreider would do that and because he, he's played like an absolute ghost this year he's been he's been a ghost like if it wasn't for the four if it wasn't for the four goals that he's gotten on all deflections by the way he hasn't gotten a goal on a single shot um you wouldn't know that Chris Carter has even done anything this season because his play away from the puck has left all of the world to be desired. <laughs> so Chris Carter not helping him. Alexi Lafreniere not playing well and helping me because advantage hasn't helped either. They haven't been able to put someone like Vitaly Kravtsov, who would have been, I would have said in terms of style of play, would probably be the closest thing to Pavel Buchnevich that they would have had in the organization. So that could have been a decent fit there to help out to, you know, someone that could drive the play a little more because they, they really don't have a play driver on that line right now. Aside from Mika, they need a second play driver on that line because Mika's advantage is not, he's not a facilitator. He's a goal scorer. And that's why Pavel Buchnevich worked so well with that line. So, yeah. and then not, not only that, but Artemi Panarin, okay. I know he played with Mika Zibanejad for the first six games of the 1920 season. And then they split that line up after the loss to Vancouver in the sixth game. Then they went with that Buffalo game and on and with Strom and Panarin. Strom was out, obviously, COVID. Kako's been out. So Panarin really hasn't had anybody to work with because Filipino does not look like he's a top six forward going forward. And I know it's kind of early to say that, but I haven't gotten any flashes or indications that he's that guy. He looks like he he probably belongs on the wing if he's going to be in a top six role. So Artemi Panarin, you got to give him a little bit of a pass. But at the same time, when does this start to become a major concern? I think the concern is that he's a minus four right now. Yeah. He's been a plus player for a while and a very good defensive guy. Um, I was hoping Kreider was going to keep on scoring. So that way I could say to you, Kreider's on a pace for 82 goals as he was uh, up until last week, but uh, not so much okay. now. And you know, it's a problem when you don't play with the puck, the sometimes the puck doesn't find you. You got to go get it. Okay. If so you're going to have, it, you got to go get it. I'm not a fan of Kreider. Okay. But what is he done away from the puck? Can, can either of you tell me what he's done away from the puck? Bobby, can you tell me what he's done away from the puck? Actually, can I ask you this, Phil? Saturday, yeah. the hit uh, on, I think it was Josh Norris at the yeah. very end. Yeah. 
Would you have suspended him? That's a close call. I, I mean, it's a dangerous play. It's a, it's a dumb play. It's a dumb penalty to take. He's lucky that there was only 10 seconds left in the game. But if they would have tied that game, Chris Kreider would have been crucified by this entire fan base. And that's the thing. And Anthony, look, not much. What has Chris Kreider done? Where is the forechecking, though, Bobby? I don't see it. I don't see it. Anthony, do you, do you see forechecking from Chris Kreider? Mark? No. Like, I mean, listen. Forechecking should be his forte. It's, yeah, it's, and, it's and, been a little, a little bit lacking this year. Yeah, and, and he needs to be better off the puck. When Chris Kreider is not scoring goals this year, he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. He needs to do more. He needs to be more engaged. There All is right. Chris so, well, yeah, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up anyway. Uh, Cause we'll move on. We'll start talking about the Islanders. Hopefully uh, we get Darius uh, before that segment, but guys, what do you think about the, how the Rangers have gone uh, Four straight wins all on the road, mostly on the back of Igor Sesterkin with that force field that he has around the net. I'll independence day. Please don't get a virus just like in the movie and, <laughs> and stay away from the cars with booch. That would also help. Uh, that, um, are the Rangers off to a good start in your opinion? Throw them all down in the comments below. And um, I think they're going to, they're good. They're still going to get better guys. I, I don't have to worry about that. We're going to move on and talk about the New York Islanders. And the Islanders got their first win this uh, last week in Chicago after losing the first two games against Florida and Carolina. But the story this week, Anthony, I think it's obvious. Ilya Sorokin, 3-0, two shutouts, one goal against, a career-high 42 saves versus Vegas. Take and, it away. And mind you, um, that game against Chicago, they allowed, a, they allowed a goal 21 seconds left. I mean, this guy was, was 21 seconds away from having three shutouts in six games. Um He's, he's been, he's been really good. Um, he was really good in Chicago and Arizona. He, he was good. Um, and then in Vegas, uh, you know, he was phenomenal. Um, you know, the Islanders allowing 42 shots. That's unlike them. Um, but Sorokin, Sorokin shut the door in Vegas. Uh, he made some, he made like at least two like really good highlight reel saves. Um, oddly enough, they both came on key and Colsar. And then literally at the very end of the game with like one second left, I thought it was going to be a Chicago redo. The puck came out in front of the net all alone. I don't know if the players got loose and he robbed Shea Theodore as the, as time expired. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's been, he's been really, really good for them. Uh, you know, they started waking up in that game against Chicago, getting back to Islander hockey, um, Arizona, obviously they're a really bad team. So it is what it is. You expect. Yeah, but Arizona was all over him the first period. Yeah, they were. They, no, they, they were. Yeah. Um, but you know, the Islanders were supposed to beat them and they did, but you know, you're right. Sorokin again, held it down in the first period in that game. And in the Vegas game, I thought for stretches, the Islanders did were the better team, but in the second period, Vegas was guns blazing and he, and he shut the door. Um, you know, he's, uh, now, you know, they have a decision to make. Varlamov got activated today off the injured reserve. So he's on his way back. Um, and you look at it and you think to yourself, you know, if Varlamov plays on Saturday against Nashville uh, and then Sorokin starts, because after that, they've had a long break. After this game against Nashville, they have another four days off before they play Montreal. So if Varlamov starts that game and then Sorokin plays that game on November 4th, you're talking 11 days 
between starts. So I don't think that would be wise for Barry Trotz to to go with um, Varlamov in this game here on Saturday, especially after coming off two shutouts and as well as he's playing. Um, you know, go you got to go with Sorokin. You can't let him go that long without playing. And for Varlamov, he hasn't played at all yet this season. So for him to wait another, you know, four days after Saturday to make his debut doesn't really hurt anybody. So I, I think um, I think it's an easy decision there. As for the rest of the team, uh, like I said, they start they start to get back to their game, play more solid Islander hockey. Um, you know, Barzell Barzell has been good on his line with him, Lee, um, and Palmieri, uh, and the Pajot, Wallstrom, and Parise line has been good. I mean, they're they're doing their job, forechecking, causing causing up fits for other teams. And yes, good cue there. He did split split up the B line. Um, he called them out. After the loss against uh, Florida, he, he wasn't he wasn't happy with uh, that line, and he swapped uh, Beauvillier and Bailey. So Bailey moved to the top line uh, to play with Lee and Barzell, and it worked because Bailey had two two points in that game against Vegas, um, and it seems like he woke up a little bit. And then Beauvillier looks a little refreshed too. So um, sorry, Paul Mary playing on a different line, but Brock Nelson starting to wake up, so that's good for them. Uh, and obviously, as we all know, Pelic and Pollock are, you know, they're, they're true selves. They give you, they give you, you know, their, their honest effort every game and shut down other teams. So um, on the up, you know, they're looking good. And listen, when you look back on it, the two games, that, the two teams they lost to are two of the four teams that are still undefeated. I mean, the, the Panthers and the Hurricanes. So they lost to two good teams. So, um, but, you know, we'll see. They got Nashville now and then Montreal, two teams that they should beat. So. Um, hopefully, you know, from here on out, you know, they're going to continue to get better and listen, 13 game road trip. There's six games into it as an Islander fan. You, you got, you got to be happy with a three, two and one record to start the season on the road. You, and you also, to- uh, what are they? They're good at home when they get done with this road trip, they got 28 more games on the road and 41 at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's nice. a big advantage for them. Absolutely. That's a big, big advantage. Yeah, I, I, I love what I've seen from Ilya Sorokin. I mean, I, I will say that for about 40 to 45 minutes, give or take, he was kind of untested against Arizona. You got to, and again, like Anthony said, you got to beat the bad teams. Arizona's bad. You got to beat them. And they beat them convincingly. So Ilya Sorokin, I don't think he was nearly as tested as much in that game, but when he was, he was, he was there. He was, he was true to, he was true to form, tall to the task. And then against Vegas, I thought Ilya Sorokin played the best game of his entire career so far. He was incredible. He was the reason why they won that game. And there, there's nothing else yeah. to say about yeah. that. It just – the Islanders were outplayed for the majority of that game. I, I, I know you you might have been a little generous there, but Vegas really, really probably deserved to win that game in terms of the way that they were carrying the play. But Ilya Sorokin said no. Ilya Sorokin refused to lose that game, and that's why they won. So uh, good on Ilya for being as, as good as he was in that game. He's got two back-to-back shutouts. He he uh, he deserves it. He was probably one of the players of the week, and he deserved to be. I thought the Islanders. I I, I thought they were okay. I I, I, I still don't see them playing at the level where they were last year down the stretch and into the playoffs and so on, they'll get better. 
I have I have confidence in that. I st- like I said, I still think they're going to win the division. I, I think they're going to get better. But I, I, they need to play more Barry Trotz Islanders hockey. And they haven't done so to the best of their ability so far. But I, I have confidence that they're they're going to get better. And they will. They'll they'll pick everything out. Like I said, the only thing that I'm really worried about right now, if I'm an Islander fan, is the defense outside of the top pairing. The top pairing is great. Top pairing is one of the best pairings in the NHL. But where is the defense after Scott Mayfield? Because the Daniel Char looks cooked. Andy Green looks like a corpse that you're probably going to see as a prop in someone's Halloween decorations for their house. Um <laughs> Uh, it, who else do they have at this point? Sebastian Ajo? Well, I mean, Zidane Chara is, is, is going to dress yeah, up as a Darius cone for Halloween. Hold on, a uh, really big freaking off. cone. But a cone. Let's cut this off. <laughs> oh, hey. We got joining so us guys. right now, Darius Kasparaitis. Thank you for joining us, Darius. Thank you Appreciate for joining it. us. Thank you for having me. So before we get into the thick of things here, um, you know, have obviously since your playing days ended a while ago, have you been involved in the game? Do you still play? You coach, or what's your involvement in, in you know hockey in general at this point? Oh, you know, I play uh, maybe twice a week uh, for fun, and I help uh, help out University of Miami uh, coaching, uh, you know, uh, team uh, a little bit. But it's not really uh, you know high level job. So um, <laughs> it's, I don't even know what division they're playing actually. <laughs> That's, that's great. Um, so we'll start with, you know, start with the Islanders. You believe for both of New York teams. Um, when you look back at your days with the Islanders, what, what's, you know, I guess your, your best memory? Was, was it the, nine, the run in 93 or is it something else? What do you really remember about playing here on the island? Well, I think, uh, of course, playoffs against Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think the, big, uh, the best memory I had is the Islander hitting a light post behind, uh, next to the Coliseum with my BMW. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's great <laughs> right, right before uh, right before the game actually oh, that's the worst time for that to happen too because you, now you gotta go in you're all frazzled before your game and you're thinking oh geez now i gotta get this thing fixed yeah. Oh, that's the game. Actually, that's the game I uh, abused Marilyn. You, I was very uh, irritated with my driving. So I, I took, I took, all, I so I took who, all my frustration. So, so who do you think was more irritated, you about your driving, or Mario Lemieux about having to play against you in that game? Because you really, really got under his skin. Well, you know, I don't think I really uh, figured out that part when I was young. You know, I was just playing very hard and I didn't really care about, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, star players on the opposite team. And I think Mario got probably irritated because uh, I don't think he knew who I was. And uh, maybe it was, you know, sometimes sometimes we, ex- you know, expect to beat the team and the, uh, the thing's not going away. You get frustrated. Yeah. Darius, you were one of the great agitators of the 90s. Uh, who was one of your favorite targets that you'd just like to just get under their skin and just annoy them? Well, you know, um, obviously, you know, uh, when I played for the Islanders, it was Mark Messier. And, uh, when I, you know, when I got traded when I got traded to Pittsburgh, it was Eric Lindros, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I picked my... <laughs> 
I pick my uh, players uh, all the time. But, I, you know, the battles I had with the uh, Rangers and uh, then with uh, Pittsburgh against Flyers, uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the, you know, games you play hard all the time. Now, was there – did you notice any difference? Because uh, obviously the Rangers and Islanders are a big rivalry. As a player, did you notice any difference from when you were on the Islander side of it and the Rangers side of it? Well, no, actually, it's a big difference. I think when you play for the uh, Islanders, uh, the Ranger games, it's it's so huge. I think that that like even when I came to the league, I realized how and the guys, how guys, you know, even before the game, guys get ready and uh, you know the fans and everything. But I think when you play for the Rangers, uh, I think a lot of teams don't like Rangers. You know, you play Devils, you play Flyers, you play. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know. So when I played for the Rangers, I don't think it was that big of a deal playing against Islanders. Well, I played there, you know, maybe because we we're too, uh, you know, not good enough uh, at that time. But the thing, uh, uh, when you play for the smaller market teams and you play big market teams, I think you get pumped up. Even when I play in Pittsburgh, you know, we hated the Rangers, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, anytime they, anytime they came in town, you know, everybody wanted to beat them, you know. So I think when you play for the Rangers and you play against other teams, it, it's always... I think it's always the big game for uh, as a ranger. Yeah, Darius, I know that for a bit, like after the uh, the 0506 lockout, you were one of the leaders in the uh, the locker room, and you also got to take charge of the music in the locker room for a little bit there. And I, I've got to ask this question because I don't think I've ever heard you explain this. But how exactly did you come across that the Shingis Khan song for Peter Pruka? Pruka, <laughs> I think that's, uh, I think it's like an 80s uh, Euro trash music. And, uh, you know, uh, when, when I play, when I, when I was with the Rangers, you know, we didn't have iPads and iPhones, you know, I have to make every uh, CD before a game, you know, I have to burn it and put it, uh, you know, in a, in a CD player. So I think uh, uh, Jason Strudwick had the first iPod on the team, you know, and that's why I think everything changed after. But before that, I used to make CDs before. Even when I played in Pittsburgh, I was a DJ. So uh, I did something good in NHL. <laughs> Darius, you were always one of the more physical players in the NHL. You probably had one of the smoothest hip checks that I've ever yeah, had the, the pleasure of watching for years. Absolutely. You ever wonder where the physicality is just getting out of the league? And, if, and is there a way of getting it back in? I think it comes from uh, youth hockey. Uh, I was recently in Russia. In uh, Russia, basically in Russia, they changed rules completely. You can't basically hit until you are, I don't know, like 19. And before even you uh, have to hit somebody, you have to play the puck first. So it's it's totally confusing all the players. You know, I, I received some videos from kids in uh, all over the world, and they show me nice, clean hits, but they get uh, game misconducts because they don't... Uh, trying to play the puck, they try to play the body, which is totally opposite uh, what I did. You know, usually as a defenseman, you always want to play the body first and then then take the puck. And uh, I think that's what it is. You know, youth is uh, youth leagues are different now, less hitting. And I think when you when you play like that way, and the, and then they expect you to start hitting at age twenty, it's very hard to change it. There is one of my um, favorite moments as as an Islander fan was that that ninety three series, but. It's often remembered against the Capitals. There was the Pierre Turgeon hit on, sorry, Dale Hunter hit, hit on Pierre Turgeon. Um, in my opinion, it's still one of the dirtiest plays I, I've seen. But as a member and as his teammate and being in that game, like, what was everyone's reaction? Like, because it was so blatantly obvious. Like, how much did that really just infuriate you guys? I remember Rich Pilon just flying in there 
and all mayhem, you know, kind of busted out. But what were your thoughts on that when it happened? Well, you know, uh, I was I was shocked as everybody, everyone on the team, you know, and uh, you know, I don't think uh, you know Hunter uh, was Dell Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he meant to, you know, injure him. I think he was just frustrated that, uh, you know, they're losing the game. And uh, I think, uh, I don't think, you know, sometimes uh, frustration just takes over you and you lose control. I think uh, he didn't really mean to mean uh, to hurt him. You know what I'm saying? But it happens, and uh, of course, you know, everybody tried to get him back, and uh, he got suspended uh, for like one, well, like ten games. <laughs> right now, it would be probably two years suspension. Uh, it's it just, uh, you know, it happens. The hockey game is very, even right now, you know, I play for like uh, lunch hockey, you know, and uh, I still get frustrated and uh, you do stupid things when you lose, you know. <laughs> Darius, did you ever like have maybe like a certain favorite defense partner or somebody that you felt that you always played very well with? Well, I think, you know, with uh, one of my favorite partners uh, I played with, I think it was Ian Moran in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was, a, you know, a right shot defenseman, and uh, he talked a lot uh, during the game. You know, he was very vocal, and he helped me a lot, you know, uh, and I think we played good together. So I, I, I always remember I had my, one of the best years in Pittsburgh playing with him as a partner. There's moving to current day hockey uh, news around the league, and you know you're located in Florida. What, what's the feel around the Maple? Uh, sorry, the Maple the, the the Panthers right now. They're undefeated. They look like they're going to be, you know, a contender in my opinion. Um, is there like real excitement around them right now? Mm, I think so. Uh, you know, uh, people get uh, more excited uh, close to playoffs in Florida, but uh, I feel like you know Panthers have a great start of the season, uh, and I think they, they they took a while to build this team. And uh, I think everything is in place right now. As long as they stay healthy, they have a pretty good chance uh, competing for the Stanley Cup this year. But, you know, it's Florida. Hiking in Florida, sometimes it's, it's very hard to imagine. And a lot of people uh, don't follow as much as they follow Miami Heat, for example. So, uh, you know, you can still buy tickets probably on StubHub for $11. So, uh, that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh my Darius, I do have to tell you... Um, my my one of my best friends growing up, Russ. Uh, you were his favorite player, and when you signed with the Rangers, he he called me up crying, and <laughs> being a huge Ranger fan, I was I was in disbelief. I was like, wait, what happened? Uh, with me with the Rangers? Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah, no. I didn't know what happened, but yeah, I found that you signed with the Rangers. Turned on ESPN. No, but was it. they gave me the most money. Where uh, you know, I I was telling my agent. <laughs> When the Rangers gave me uh, in my contract, I told my agent it was too much money. You know, I, I don't think I deserve that much money. But <laughs> you know, that was uh, that was the time. You know, uh, you play hard for ten years and then you make money. You know, now it's different. You play hard for one year, then you make a lot of money, and then you basically. Yeah. I think the Anthony. He's he's muted. Uh, yeah, I think Darius is muted. No, I'm I'm good. Yeah. Oh yeah. The current the current day Rangers and Islanders. Um, what do you, do you think? Both teams can make the playoffs this year. Um. Yeah, I think Rangers have a you know good coaching staff, and the Islanders have a good coaching staff. I think they are they they uh, both teams are uh, very uh, you know young, and uh, I think they both have a good chance of making playoffs. Now, Des, before before we let you go, I have a funny story. One of your teammates in '93 was Benoit Hogue. About um, 
about 12 years ago, um, oh, my men's league team here on Long Island, uh, we were playing, we hit the ice, and then all my teammates were like, oh, that's a penalty hog on the ice. And the guy, the guy was still insane, even at that point. So what do you, uh, what do you remember him about him and, you know, what made him such a good player? Cause even at, at that point, what, in his forties, he, he was still really good against us. He killed us. I, I still, uh, I still, I know, I stay in touch with Benny. I think uh, Benny made me feel very comfortable in the locker room because he was, a th- I think he was the first ugliest guy in the locker room. And, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> And that's why, you know, I have a big nose right now because I had so many uh, probably injuries with my nose. But uh, Benny had a big nose right from the beginning. His nickname was Benny Nose. So, uh, but it was actually, Benny was a great guy. When I came as a rookie, you know, it was very, uh, he had a good sense of humor. And uh, he was, uh, he made, made me feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, I still talk to him. Every time I see him, you know, we still uh, crack the jokes uh, about something, you know. And, uh, uh, and then Benny was a great player, you know. Yeah, he, he played defense in this game, and you could tell he wasn't trying, but there were a couple times he took a head of steam up the ice and just let a wrist shot go, and it beat my buddy in net. And we were like, yeah, about that. He, he, he let the shot go from, like, maybe the blue line, and our goalie didn't even, like, he didn't even react to it. it was just, yeah, when Benny plays, he has the visor, and he flips it upside down. <laughs> yeah. No, Benny, uh, yeah, Benny had a great shot, so you guys uh, uh, probably uh, lucky to have him to play with you. Yeah. 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 Is he still playing? Do you know? Who him? Yeah. Yeah, of course he plays. I think he still skates in Long Island. I think he coaches the kids and I think he still skates. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, Darius, so thanks for your time. You you were you were really great. You got a yeah, it was fantastic having you. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Darius. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's probably gonna go down as one of our funniest interviews. That that was, oh my god. Yeah, between between him and Marty, I, I just I don't know who was funnier. Uh, Marty, Marty, Marty's Marty's fantastic with that. Oh. By the way, everybody, uh, if you didn't like it, already like this 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 broadcast or this video. The shortened version as well is going to be coming out soon. Uh, don't forget, like, share, and subscribe. Please, and we got that, a lot more coming was, to you. We still got to finish with the uh, Islanders. Yeah, so we'll wrap that up. But that that was incredible. I mean, the the, the, the hitting the light the light post and the, the first that was just. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, the, I did not expect he was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and then awesome. that's amazing. Um, um but we got it. We got to get back to the Islanders yeah. right now to finish up that because there was one stat I needed the quote for you guys that still surprised me, Anthony. There's only one team that averages more shots against in the league right now, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, does that surprise you at all, especially with the New York Islanders? Yeah, they're not a team that really gives you much. But, no. um, and again, they do, for the most part, aside from that Vegas game, they, 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 they do limit you to the outside. They don't really give up grade A chances. So a lot of the shots they give up are, you know, teams just putting pucks on the net from pretty much anywhere. Uh, but even still, you would like to see them tighten that up. Um, you know, like I said, the next two games against Nashville and Montreal, they, they should beat both of those teams, um, you know, get them feeling even better about themselves coming out of the first leg of this road trip. Uh, but like I said earlier, three, two and one after the first six games, you got to be happy with that. Um, you know, Sor- Sorokin's on fire um, and their offensive guys like Barzell's starting to show life. Wallstrom's been consistent the whole season so far. So 
Um, you know, as long as long as they just keep playing the way they're playing, though, they'll eventually get back to Islander hockey, and you're already seeing signs of it. And then, as you mentioned, you know, they're getting these 13 games out of the way on the road, and then for a while they're going to be at home, and they're a really good home team. So if this 13-game road trip is over, if they're a couple games over 500, um, you know, or even at 500, they're, they're in a good spot. But if they can even come out a couple games over, I mean, that that's going to set them up perfectly for, you know, for the rest of the season. So not um, only that, but I mean, I, I'm sorry to cut you off here, but no, I, go ahead. you got to You got to bring this up, too. They're going into a new arena. How pumped are they and the fans going to be for yeah. playing in that new arena? Oh, that, yeah. that's just and an arena made for them. Boost. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a gigantic boost for them. So if the Absolutely. Islanders come out of this, I, I, I like you said, if they're maybe anywhere from like three to five games above five hundred by the time that happens, forget about it. I, I mean that I'm not going to say smooth sailing to win the division because you never know what someone yeah. like Washington can do to make the playoffs. They can put it in cruise control. They could, yeah. It, once you get into a point where like you know that you're going really going to have a playoff spot. Then you could start, you know, doing that type of thing. And if you really don't care about the division that much at that point, then you could start resting your players and stuff for the playoffs. So, yeah. I mean, it, it it's a huge, huge advantage for them. Yeah. And mind you, they're, they're a team that statistically gets better in the middle of the season. They start off slow and they end slow. But in the meat of the season, the middle of the season, that's where that's where they're at their best. Um so it's I think as an Islander fan, you got to be happy with it, where they are right now. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they stumbled into a Wally Pip situation here with Sorokin Varlamov. I mean, I think I think the guys deserve to to, to play more. I mean, uh, well, he's got the nine. He's got the nine thirty three save percentage, which obviously is the same exact save percentage as Sturkin. I feel like those two guys are always going to be just linked with each other. Yeah, but um, they're, they're you know, always going to have but, that. Yeah, always. And I, I I, know I said the same thing in the playoffs, but I, I got to say it again here. And I, I know that Barry Trotz seems to just go against the grain because Barry Trotz is going to do what Barry Trotz wants to do. But how do you go back to Varlamov in this next start? How do you not go with Sorokin after two straight shutouts? I think yeah. you go with Sorokin because if you want him to be the number one, you don't want him sitting for more than 10 days. That's what I just said. You yeah. saw Alexander Georgiev do that and his production dropped. Um, yeah. that was under David Quinn. Uh, then so I think you go with Sorokin uh, for the next one, but you do got to come back with Varlamov because right now he is the number one, of course. But I, I, like I'm saying, you just you got to ride the hot end, and and not only that, but this is your future. Varlamov is not your future, Sorokin mm-hmm. is your future. So you, you got to start really marinating him and really getting him in there, and that's what I, I would do. I would go with Sorokin if. He falters a bit. Okay, you have Varlamov for the next start. Whether you, I would say, regardless, after that, if you want to get Varlamov back in and make sure that he gets some reps so that he's still good, then okay. But go to Sorokin again after that next start, no matter what the outcome is with Varlamov. But Sorokin's got to play this next game. Anthony, uh, who do the Islanders have the next two games, you said? Nashville, Montreal. And just as a reminder, I was in Nashville this week. Uh, I made a video about my experience in Nashville. Can't wait to have these guys go see a game there because it is a great city. And I got to plug that. Also, it was just on the ticker. So shameless self-promotion, <laughs> unfortunately. That's what YouTube always is. What do you think about the Islanders? They're back o- <laughs> They're back over 500. Think this is the last time they're going to be under it the rest of the season? Throw it down in the comments below. Ilya Sorokin, should he be the number one? Plenty of things to ask questions about. 
Guys, unfortunately, we're going to have to switch gears to the news story of the week. Uh, it's something none of us really want to talk about. But the Blackhawks investigation came to an end. I'm putting down my pen to just cross my arms and just understand the seriousness of this. Blackhawks investigation came to an end yesterday, and Stan Bowman, the GM, is already out. Uh, possibly speaking, Joel Quenville was going to be out. And I know I already had one of the comments about this before. Phil, take it over. Um, how do you just summarize all this? A complete unmitigated disaster. Just, I I don't understand how this got to this point. I, I, I really, I, I mean, I know that the facts are out there now. The investigations ended, but it's just a, a complete miscarriage of justice. Um, just a, 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 an utter travesty. I I don't understand why they thought covering anything up would really help them. Um, there were obviously things reported back then. Um, what's being done is not enough. Like like Anthony is saying here, a, a, a two million dollar fine is not enough. Um, that's not, Arizona lost draft picks for what they did, and what they did was a far less serious offense than what's been going on here, which is a criminal offense. Which which goes this transcends the NHL. This this is more than about hockey, uh, and I agree. Quenville needs to be he needs to be let go for what his comments were about and how he said they they could not handle this issue right now. I lost I, a lot of respect for Joel Quenville. I I think I think it's a disgrace that he's even gonna be behind the bench tonight with, with yep. Florida. I mean I know Holy I know I know they said he has a meeting with uh with Bettman uh, to, I think Thursday, yeah, tomorrow. Um they said who know we'll see what comes of it, but I mean I, I don't see how after everything that came to light the other day how he could Coach, I mean, do the right. The Bowman stepped aside. He stepped down, stepped down from the, you know, USA Olympic team position. Um, Quenville, you know, Quenville needs to do the same. And, and Shevel Deos, not. You, you shouldn't know, have been given the option here. to step down. Well, you, yes. At the, but I was talking at the very least. I mean, no, I, least, I understand. Like, I, I, I'm just making you know, a point there in the fact yeah. that he, he shouldn't have been given an option to step down. He should yeah. have been fired. And, and that should have been it. And. You know what? It's not like these are allegations that are unfounded. Like if, yeah. if it's allegations that are unfounded and they're still pending investigation, then at that point you can suspend indefinitely. And then, you know, if you wanted to step down, then at that point that would, yeah. it would be like a minutes of guilt basically, but he should have been fired flat out. Yeah. And Brad Aldrich, you deserve to rot in jail for the rest of your damn life. Yeah. And Shevel Shevel Dayoff's involved in this too. He has a meeting with Batman as well. Yep. Um, later this week, so we'll see what comes of that too. But um, I know Duncan Keith today said that you know he said some players weren't aware of it. He said some, you know some were, but he said there were some players that weren't aware of any of it going on. Um, you know he expressed how you know how sad of a situation it was, and it is. I mean it's it's terrible, and you know you you question their leadership group. Um, you know, on, even on the ice, I don't, I see that cop, you see that comment right there, but we don't know. Was Taves, was Taves aware of it? We yeah, don't know. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's a question. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't you know. know. We're, but, we're... You, you know, we were talking about this in our group chat and 
I was trying to figure out the adequate. How is there an adequate way? How is there an adequate way to suspend any of these people? Find them. What is the right amount? Right, everything else. There's one comment that always sticks in my mind. Uh, reading some of this stuff, it was, we don't need this right now. Uh, we don't know how far the Blackhawks. <clears throat> this is the furthest the Blackhawks have been, and we're trying to win a Stanley Cup. That, I don't know. Was- I, I don't remember who said it. I think it was one of the executives. It, it was no, it was Joel Quenville. I think the 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 quote that I, I, I tweeted in the here. I'll I'll pull that up in a second, actually. Okay. Uh, but it was Joel Quenville, and it was in regard to here. I'm just trying to. Okay. So the the the, the tweet from Rick Westhead, who by the way was the reporter that got all this information, brought everything to the surface and incredible job by Rick. Incredible, incredible work. Some of the best journalistic work we've seen in quite some time when it comes to sports. But um, the, the tweet said Bowman recalled that after learning of the incident, Quenville shook his head and said that it was hard for the team to get to where they were and they could not deal with this issue right now. Um, There wasn't reach. There was another quote that I'm thinking of. Keep going. Okay. Yeah, there was another one which I posted right before that. Uh, Reed Shar, who was a former uh, U.S. Uh, assistant defense attorney, um, Shar. The tweet from Rick Westhead says Shar writes about the meaning of Blackhawks officials. According to the director of human resources, Jim Gary said that during the meeting, Joel Quenville appeared angry and was concerned about upsetting team chemistry. That's a damning, that's like two damning quotes because, right there. Because, okay, Ugh. so how how many Stanley Cups did it take for them to eventually bring this to light? They won three damn cups. They never mentioned, they, they never they never did the right thing. Like, this should have been taken, you should have taken care of it right away. It should have been now. And, uh, and here, here to Anthony's quote, Shevel Dayoff got a letter of comm- uh, commendation too, or recommendation. Brad Aldrich got a recommendation for a high school team and went on to sexually assault a minor. How, how, when you knew this was happening in an organization to a 22 year old intern, did anyone in the right mind think that it was okay to recommend this guy to work with high schoolers, to work with minors? This guy should be in jail for the rest of his life. I know, I know that sexual predator, uh, you know, sexually predatory crimes like you know, rape and assault and stuff like that. They usually don't get life sentences, but this guy has assaulted multiple people. He is a serial sexual predator and assaulter. But again, why do we need to, it should have just been reported. Go to the police. That is not, it, it is not your decision to, to just be silent on this. This kid's life was ruined. I, I feel terrible for the victims, and and, and as a hockey fan, it, it, it's disgraceful because I, I've said this about this, and I've said it on here. Hockey is the best sport. The NHL is the worst league, worst league, and and Stephen's right. The NHL has no moral compass. He's mentioned the the Craig McTavish basically drunk driving and killing a woman, and and how he, you know, how he still played afterwards. Uh, Bobby Hull is another one who, funny enough, ties with the Chicago Blackhawks. Bobby Hull was cited in a news report years ago as chasing an ex-wife with a chainsaw around his house. Chainsaw. It's just, 
it's just it, to get to get back to this as soon as there was a report on it it shouldn't have been a oh we'll we'll do something about it eventually let's just go win a stanley cup first yeah yeah that's that's what's irritating about this and if i mean anthony your father goes through your mind thinking about this disgust i mean just Absolute disgust. I mean, it, it should have never happened, and it seems like it was swept under the rug because you know they wanted to win a championship. But uh, it's oh, totally wrong, and that's oh, why I, I think I, I really hope that that after a meeting with Bettman, that that Quenville just does the right thing and 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 steps down. If if he's not willing to do that, then the league's got to take action and fire him. Because if they the Panthers do at least, but if they don't, then it's literally uh, you know slap in the face. Hey. So. And you're right about that. It would be a total slap in the face for them to not do anything about that in the in the wake of this. And I, I was a huge Joel Quenville fan. Loved his work in St. Louis. Um, you know, I, I liked the Blues a lot growing up. I've watched a lot of their hockey, even after Wayne Gretzky left. But Joel Quenville, his resume is a Hall of Fame resume. But I, I can't see letting someone like this into the Hall of Fame after knowing what – his stance was on all this and how he allowed this to be perpetrated and swept under the rug. My question is because there was involvement from the NHLPA. This was reported to the NHLPA. Don fair was made aware of this. All this available on on Twitter. Yeah. And, and how much of this was being covered up by the NHL? How much did Gary Bettman know? Because if this is going to open up a whole can of worms where NHL executives knew about this. Then there are a lot of people who need to be held accountable whose heads need to roll. I'm still I'm still processing everything as even when there's another sentence that's uttered about this, the the news on this. Again, number 1, Joel Quenville, if you don't if the team doesn't need it right now, it's not in your pay grade, you call the police. That's what you do. This is not your – if you, you want to be like, oh, it's not our job or try to focus. Or does no, you call the police. This is not a matter of hockey. Everybody could figure out about – just hmm. – Yeah, you don't, you don't sweep something like this under the rug. This, this, is, this is one of the biggest scandals I've seen in sports. And I, 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 I think this is bigger than steroids. I, I know that the steroid scandal in baseball was huge. I know that the – the, the betting scandal in baseball was huge with Pete Rose. And then the all, all, obviously years and years back, the, the black, the Chicago black Sox, if you will, uh, with their this isn't involvement on the level, I mean, that's what the game, this is, this, this is, that's the game. This, this, this is, this is criminal and it's criminal negligence that they swept this under the rug the way that they did. And this organization, it, it, you went from being a poster child of the league, winning three Stanley Cups in six seasons, being the face of the new NHL, to being an utter embarrassment and disgrace to the sport. And you know what? And Stephen's right. Ignoring to report a crime and by doing so facilitating the perpetrator continue to make those crimes, that's complicity right there. That is 110% complicity. They were complicit in allowing Aldrich to continue to do it for as long as he did, they were complicit in getting him hired by a high school team. And, and you know what? And yes, and right before we got on, I mentioned the Graham James situation to you, Mark, and how Graham yeah. James basically 
molested a, 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 a ton of players in junior over, I would say, like a five-year span or so, maybe maybe less than that. And Anthony, when we were, we were at the station, remember, we got to interview Sheldon Kennedy, who mm-hmm. was one of the players involved in that. Yeah, I remember was, that. A teammate of Theo Flurry's. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's also the the one that I pointed out beforehand was Penn State. Yeah. And how do you not learn from what happened there? It took That's down. That's a great point. The the, yeah. the, the, the and, it, and it and it just proves one thing because I mean, even if I want to sit here and defend Joe Paterno in that situation. And I still think I still think personally, Graham Spanier had a lot more to do with that. But it's it, it has to, you you can't enable somebody like that. That's that's disgusting. It's a criminal. Yeah. It, it's it's funny because this stuff continues to happen because there is a stigma in hockey, and that stigma is the old boys club. And I remember, I know I'm, I'm switching gears just a tiny bit here, but there, there is relevance to what I'm saying. Back when the Tom Wilson incident happened on Twitter, Mark Mathot was tweeting about all this stuff. And he, I, I, I quote tweeted him on something and I, and I told him that, that he's not somebody that should be, you know, basically laughing at Rangers fans and talking about it because there, there is a stigma in hockey. Mark Mathot told me that there was no stigma in hockey and that I was making all that up. Well, Mark, if you're listening, you're watching, whatever, or if you ever somehow come across this, which I, I doubt you will, and I doubt you'd even acknowledge it. But guess what, Mark? There is a stigma. It's called the old boys club, and you're seeing it come to light, and it needs to end. It needs to be getting rid of. You know, it, it, it's it's – it's absolute ridic- It's absolutely ridiculous. And, and another great point from Stephen here: Brendan Leipzig insults people in a private group chat, and he he's done with the NHL. Austin Matthews, he assaults a woman or harasses a woman, whatever he did. I because we don't we still never got the full details on what he did. I think there's stuff being covered up there, but I mean he gets Lady Bing votes, and there's nothing done to Austin Matthews. It, 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 no, the league doesn't have the league doesn't. Ha- they have standards, Stephen. They have double standards. It's what they have. So it, it, this needs to this needs to be dealt with, and it needs to be dealt with swiftly because they there's a lot of stuff. I feel that there's gonna you're gonna get more light on from more people eventually. And um, I don't know if you saw this. Um, I'm going to pull this up because I was in a, a, a group DM. Uh, Rick Westhead actually also tweeted tonight on Sports Center. We're do- joined by John Doe, the former Blackhawks player at the, the center of the team's sexual abuse scandal. He has asked us to reveal his identity and you will hear him speak his truth. So this player that's at the, the center of all this is going to come to light. And he's going to reveal himself and he's probably going to bring this entire organization down with him. And you know what? Good riddance, good riddance. You wanted to sweep this up. You wanted to put, you wanted to cover it up and sweep it under the rug. Now you're getting what you deserve. That's karma. What I'm glad about this in one way is maybe sports. I guess maybe two ways people are, haven't reacted to this and tried to claim cancel culture or some bullshit like that. This, this isn't, this isn't that. No, this is not even close to that. No. This is something that should have been taken care of 
the second anyone knew about it and hearing about different involvement of different executives. We're not comfortable about talking about this either. Disgusting. It's, it's, because we're going to be changing gears to be a little bit more humorous in about a few minutes, but it's just, it's, it's an absolute disgusting thing. And I'm also happy that from what I've seen, it's been mostly support for the player and um, condemnation for those who were involved. And it's unfortunate because and they're just they're stepping right back into NFL territory and how just but D D Ely says it right here. I mean, Patrick Kane assaulted a cabbie in Buffalo and got a slap on the wrist for it. And you're right. There, there's just there, there's no consistency in anything that's done here. And I, I, I said this before and and Steven just bringing it up again. I, I, I said to you earlier on, right before we got on, Mark. What did I say? First round draft first, picks. First round picks for five years, and how much in, did I say in cash? Fifty uh, like 10, million. No, fifty million. I think you said you said a lot. Fifty million. Yeah, start eating. I know that won't happen, but start yeah. eating them where it hurts, and send a goddamn message. Send a message. Stop this shit. It's yeah. awful, and it continues to perpetrate because the NHL is easy on them. It's easy. Oh well. Oh, you're a first time offender. We're just gonna. You know, tap you on the wrist. No big deal there. That's all. We're just going to give you a little tap. Oh, here. Let's get the let's get the ruler. Let's. Oh, we'll tap you. That's it. Nothing. Hey, Nothing. Anthony, I'm just going to go rapid fire with you on 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 a lot of just some of the greats of all time. We ever hear uh, Wayne Gretzky misbehaving? No. Gordy Howe misbehaving? No. Ra- oh, Bob Yor misbehaving? Mark Messier? I mean, yes. We had. There's the incident with Dennis Podfin. Haven't heard anything else about him. Brian Trottier, no problem. Mike Bossy, no problem. We could go. We could go through the long list. And of course, the great Roger Bear, who just departed us this year. Those are the players. Oh, those are the players you should try to emulate and to try to class the class you should try to have. Yeah. Organizations. The next time anything that happens with this, don't mince words. Don't think about other things except picking up the phone and calling the cops. Yeah, and and, and another one from Stephen, who's. On the mark today. Uh, yeah, sorry. I used it. I know. <laughs> Steven can use it. Uh, yeah. but That boy, Steven, in the house. If, if you don't punish the people when they're breaking the rules, you're just – you're sending a message that it's yeah. okay. And and, yeah. and you're complicit in that because you're encouraging it, basically. It's all it's all about – it's all about culture, too. You know, you have, you have to have that culture of, 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 do, of always doing the right thing. Um, and clearly Chicago didn't have that. I mean, could, could you imagine if that ha- if that – Happened under under Lou's watch. Uh, well, it wouldn't. Yeah, Lou. Lou it wouldn't well, happen under Barry's watch either. No, you, you saw what happened with uh, Bodie Wild in refusing to get unvaccinated. You think Lou would have said okay to that? No, Lou. Lou. Lou would have. Lou would have nipped this at the bud. Lou. I'm and, not, and I'm not touching that one. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not touching. That, that's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. But <laughs> right. it, it, I'm just saying, Lou takes action on things and he doesn't let them get out of hand like the, the same thing i said with the tony d'angelo incident if you have better leadership if you have a better coach a situation like that doesn't blow up the way that it did no if there was a better leader at hand and a better group that would have sat down 
and address the situation then, we wouldn't be talking about this now. It would have been a headline that would have gotten a certain amount of tension back then. And Brad Aldrich would have been, you know, probably thrown in jail and that would have been good. And, yeah. and, and he would have never had a chance to sexually assault or abuse anybody else. Yeah. And, and, and again, good thing the Blackhawks decided to call the investigation on themselves. So guys, we had a lot what? that had to go into this. Um, how much credit did you give the organization though, when they swept it under the rug for as long as they did? I know. I, I'm, I, can't, I'm, I can't even. I can't even. I'm, take I'm not giving them credit. I'm saying at least it was. I, I know you're not. Yeah. I know you're not. But it, it just. I, I think about that, and, and okay, you know what? Good. They 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 got to it, but they got to it way too late, and they tried to cover it up, and it just it it's a terrible look for everyone involved, and it, it it's horrible because you ruined three people's lives, and for for what? For Brad Aldrich, a serial. A serial sexual a monster, abuse. a monster, Let's just call a him monster, an absolute monster, a scourge of the earth, rot in jail for the rest of your damn life, piece of shit. I think that kind of speaks for all of us. So, um, we're gonna change gears and go on with the show, and let's do some bar yeah. talk. Yeah, let's light let's it up. Get. We also, by the way, got a lot still to go over with you guys. But first, we're going to this one. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to see beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. Can I just say that I'm so happy that it doesn't say all things Rangers anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing. I, I do somewhat I do somewhat miss that that saying the all things rangers, but it always reminds us where we started, how this all came from. And it still exists, say, everybody. Probably... I still haven't quit uh u- using all things rangers. But everybody, welcome back to the Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk. Um, the juxtaposition we really needed at this moment, uh, <laughs> where we gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Do you, are you feeling so confident? You're buying everybody in the bar. You just want a beer. It's like, eh, I'll do that. Or you need a shot because eh, I just really need a shot on this. All right. So first things first, the New York Rangers should be concerned about Artemi Panarin, Mr. Fulkowski. Well, I'm going to say beer. And for the out reasons I outlined before, uh, missing is better. Capo uh, Caco is should be back Friday. They're saying, which is great news for Rangers fans. Um, but he, I mean, he still didn't look great with Mika Zibanejad, who, who had some a small amount of success playing with, you know, in terms of uh, their sample size. I should say the six games at the beginning of the nineteen twenty season, and then some overlapping shifts at even strength. Uh, but. I'll give Artemi Panarin some, some breathing room here just because of the fact that he hasn't had his line mates and Philip Heedle and him don't, don't seem to click at all. So I'm going to say beer, but because there's definitely some things that he's doing that I'm not a fan of, like his decision-making with the puck has been really weird. His passing has just been off. Something about his game overall has just looked off aside from not having his, his line mates. So there are some things that I want to see change with him, but I, I think having Ryan Strom and Capo Caco will help in that regard. So, beer. Anthony. Make the short and sweet. 
Um, he's he's an elite he's an elite player in this league. He's not playing like it right now. The Rangers need him to be that player, and right now his game just looks completely off. But I think um, he'll he'll figure it out because he's he's too good not to. Beer. Okay. Uh, I will actually go to shot. And the reason why I'm going to go with shot is because I, it, it's our Timmy Panarin. He's, he's played for now several different coaches, Quenville, a Savard Quinn and, um, and now Gallant. Gerard Gallant is, uh, is, is a hell of a coach. And I mean, you play for John Tortorella, you can play for anybody. So uh, he'll be fine. Don't worry about that. He's going to be fine. All right, moving on. This one's going to go right back to you, Anthony. Uh, Islander Zach Parise is not going to fit in. I mean, so f- I, I mean, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go shot because he hasn't registered a point yet, but he he's played on the PK, which he's been good on. Uh, and the line with uh, Wallstrom and Pajot, um, he's got in on the forecheck. He's he's freed up pucks to get to Wallstrom. Um, and you know, listen, he's what he is at this point. He plays on the third line. You know, he's not in. He's not in their top six. Um, you know, he knows his role in the team. Like I said, he gives you ten to you know ten to fifteen goals. It's a it's a win. Um, but you know, Wallstrom has already said that you know seeing Parise around every day and how he's a pro and how he works, you know, has has been good for him. And that alone for Wallstrom, you know, their best young player and best forward, best shooter. Um, you know, that's that's a positive. So. Um, I, I think it's a good fit for him. Um, so yeah, it's I uh, for me, it's, it's it's a shot. You know, I'm not expecting to be anything else. What, I'm gonna ask a question here, but by not going to fit, kind of explain that a little bit. I'm sorry because it just fit in what regard? I guess produce as an Islander, or they're not gonna find the role for him. Well. I mean, if you're saying not going to find a role, I'm going to say shot. Okay. Because I, I think so far in that line, he looks like a piece that works pretty well with the other two pieces. Uh, I mean, he's not going to give you the points that he gave you like in his early to, to middle of the, the pack days in, in Minnesota or even his best devil's days, obviously. But I mean, if, if he's in there on the forecheck, which he is, he's still decent at that. I mean, Anthony alluded to the fact that he's a decent penalty killer still. I mean, he's he's winning puck battles along the boards. He's getting the puck to the other guys that really need the puck on that line, like Wallstrom and Pajot. I, I don't – I think he fits pretty well. He just – he's not going to give you a ton of points anymore. And I think yes. as an Islander fan, if, you, if you, you had to have that understanding that you weren't getting the Zach Parise of 2009. So um, I, I have to say shot here. All right. Um, I'm only saying beer for this because I still wonder what his role is going to end up being. Um, it doesn't matter whether or not he doesn't have a point or not. I, I, I still don't know. And I, the player himself, he'll be receptive to whatever he's going to be for the Islanders. Uh, Zach Parise is a guy that could be on my team six days a week and twice on Sunday. I just don't know where he's going to be. Is he going to be first line? He's not going to put him on the second line. I doubt well, they're breaking we, up the bees. We already, but, we already said what he is. He plays on the third line with, yeah. with and, and Wallstrom. He could move up. I'm just saying it could happen. So uh, I, I, I think he'll be fine. He'll be, I, I think he'll be fine, but it's just, I, I, 
also don't know. So it's it's fair to say you don't know sometimes. By the way, Anthony, every time you stop the camera, you get better looking. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we have Mark hitting on uh, Anthony. Yeah. Uh, well, no, <laughs> not hitting on Anthony. Hitting I mean, on myself with yeah, my headshots. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anthony is a stud. I mean, he's not a. Yeah, I know. He's he's our he's our beefcake. He's the one. Yeah. You know. All um, right. This one, another tailor-made one for John Fulkowski. Connor McDavid will break 150 points. And let me start it by saying, God, I hope I'm buying everybody around. And I'll tell you why. Because I got him on my fantasy team. <laughs> 400. I don't care. Just just get it, get past 150. So I, I want to say that. He could definitely do it with the with his play. I mean, I can't believe he's doing it with the line mates that he's got. All right, but he ain't doing it. He ain't getting 200 with uh with Curry and Glenn Anderson and Tekin and the way Gretzky did. But go ahead, John. I'm gonna be bold here and I'm gonna buy a round. I oh, think yeah, I think I'm gonna yeah, use this one. I, I think he's gonna do it. I, I think Connor McDavid really is under the bright lights right now and they went out and they made some improvements to the team. Well, uh, it's debatable whether they're improvements or not at this point, but we'll, we'll see. But they went out and they, they got some players in. Um, I know they lost Adam Larson, but they brought in a, a veteran in Duncan Keith. They brought in Cody Cece. Um, I, I, that's bold, Stephen. That's bold. That is really, really bold. But Connor McDavid has now added a one-timer to his arsenal. Like, that's scary to think about because that guy, I remember at the 2017 All-Star game, he was doing the uh, the the accuracy shooting contest. And he was like, this is not really made for me because I don't really have a great shot. Well, he went out and improved that. And now he's adding a one-timer to it. And he's already the best player in the game. So I, I honestly think that the sky's the limit for him. He's scoring at a near three-point-per-game pace right now. I know that's probably not going to sustain, but – I mean, I, I think he's going to do it this year. I, I, he was on pace for it last year. I, I think he he does it this year. Anthony, I'm going round. Uh, I mean, he's I'm clearly go this one again. He's clearly the best the best player um, in the league. Uh, I think the most talented player the league has ever seen in pure skill. Um, and you know, like he's look again. Look what he did last year. The guy had over 100 points in 56 games and he he's take he's basically you know picking up where he left off um him and dry sidle not none of them show signs of any of any slowing down anytime soon um and i i just think he's too talented not to i think i think he's really gonna reach a benchmark here that we haven't seen in a very long time i he's he's just got so many tools and that's unbelievable but we're going to go from one number over one number one overall draft pick in Connor McDavid to a guy with another load of talent in his team. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in serious trouble, guys. Anthony, um, I'm I'm actually going to say kind of dates back to what we talked about when the seasons first started when the Islanders lost two games. It's it's still it's still early, so serious trouble. I'm going to go shot. Um, it's it's not. Uh, listen, they're not in a good situation. They're struggling. Um, we all know what their what their flaws are because it seems like Kyle Dubas has never fixed it. Doesn't learn. Um, but they don't really they don't really defend the best. 
Um, they lost Morazic to an injury, uh, which I thought already as it is, even with him healthy, Morazic Campbell isn't the best goaltending situation. Um, and again, I, I think they're kind of, I, I described them as a paper tiger in the past, but now their issue is that Florida's for real and they've arrived. So that just adds another team they, they have to battle with because prior to the Panthers really breaking out, it was just the Bruins and the Lightning. So you knew they were going to grab at least one of those three spots. But now at Florida, um, you know, that that's in question. Um, the good thing for them is I don't think Boston's really that good of a team either. I think that's a I think that's a saving grace for them. Um, I think I don't think Dubas will let it get too far away. I think if things trend down, you know, pretty significantly here, I, I don't think he's gonna let tail spin to the point where it's gonna be beyond fixable. I think he might make a move, whether it be a coaching move or, or make a move in the room to shake things up. Uh, it, but it's just it's just too early to say they're in serious trouble. Um, I don't like them at, overall with their makeup. Um, but I think Matthews and Marner and Nylander. You also don't like them for other reasons. Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, there's <laughs> enough talent to, to at least bring them to the dance. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if things, at, at, I would say as of right now, their best case scenario is they squeak into the playoffs and they lose again in the first round. But um, yeah, but I'm going shot here just because I think it's, I think it's too early, but I don't like the early signs. Felk. I'm also going with a shot. I, I just I, I think that this team is just too good in terms of talent to to miss the playoffs. If they miss the playoffs, then everybody's heads have got to roll at that point. You you you've really got to start making some serious moves at that point. I'd imagine Dubis would be gone. Maybe even Sheldon Keefe would even be gone at that point as well. But um I agree with Anthony. I think they would make a coaching change and a probably a GM change before they do any type of serious moves. Um, especially if they're in some sort of tailspin and the organization feels that they need better management choices at the top. I think they would make that move before the deadline so that that new GM could make the right moves for the team heading into the playoffs. I think that just makes too much sense at that point. Um, I don't think Boston is still better than the Leafs at this point. I think the Leafs are just playing bad hockey. Um, I, Austin Matthews obviously coming back from a wrist injury. That's not helping them. William Nylander was playing well to start the season. Uh, you need more from Mitch Marner. Uh, you need more from John Tavares. And you need more from Morgan Riley. Their goaltending really isn't that good. I would say, if anything, when we get to like the 20 game mark and they're 500 or under or something like that, I would really start to be a little more concerned at that point. But again, it, it, it's way too early. And you, Anthony, you brought up Florida and I, I, I'm not trying to go back to what we were just talking about before, but what happens to Florida if Joel Quenville is, is, is fired or is forced to step down or, or whatever? That's a great question. Because that could, that could really hurt the Panthers. And that is a great question. And you got to remember, the Panthers, they're not without flaws. Yeah, they have a good goaltending tandem. And Bobrovsky looks to be bouncing back. And Spencer Knight looks to be the future. And their forward group is great. But their defense is still a little questionable. They yeah, need really another. Especially and if Ekblad goes down again. Yeah, Ekblad goes down. If they, they need another top four defenseman as it is. So if they don't make that move and it, it, the, the coaching situation ends up being a problem with everything with this, 
then you know that could hurt Florida and that could help Toronto. So I'm not I'm not ready to to really get to the sky's falling mode with Toronto yet. So shot. Okay. I'm gonna take it. A, I'm gonna take a beer. Uh, the reason why I'm and I even threw this up there, guys. It's not just that I don't like. I, I mean, I like the Maple Leafs. I've never been against the Maple Leafs. Um, but what exactly do they ho- hang their hats on? I mean, uh, the- <laughs> that's great. First of all, by the way, I love Steve Dangle. He's excellent. That's so do I. His video, and, yeah. and Leafs fan reaction is is amazing. But what does this team really hang their hat on? I don't think they're as good offensively as they were two years ago. I don't think they're good defensively at all. They have no grit. Last year was a fake scale. They're, yeah, they were the best of the worst in a week yep. north division. Like yep. when we posed the same question last week with Montreal, the answer was buy everybody around. Montreal was done. Montreal has talent to be okay. Yeah, right. but here's, here's the thing about Montreal. I, I know the division they're in at this point, it's just too good. But even them, no Weber, no one, rights. I, I don't. I don't think you're truly done until you're like maybe like 10 or 12 games under 500. I mean, right now, are they mm-hmm. one and six? The Habs? Yeah, the Habs. Yeah, you could go on a run and, and get back to 500. Pretty yeah, easy. even, even, even them, they're not, they're not done. But I mean, they're, they, that's a daunting task they have to look up to, though. I'll say that. Yeah. And, and I, I'll say this to, to, to just, to quickly address the rest of the Ely's comment, which this, this is a great post, by the way. Um, I, I will disagree that Matthews and Marner's numbers were inflated be, uh, because of last year, because boy, who they played all year. You might be right about that to a point, but Austin Matthews in 2020 was on pace for over 50 goals. My friend, you got to remember that. And yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that part. Mitch Marner was a 90 point player in 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't agree with that, but you're right. Last year was a fake scale, and they were they were the the top dogs of a really bad division. Yeah, well, let's let's wrap it up with this regarding the Maple Leafs. If yeah. they fail to make the playoffs, or if they get bounced again in the first round, this is the year where I would say it's probably like a ninety percent chance that. Well, yeah, but I was also one of the big four is going, and it's probably Nylander or Marner because Matthews yeah. ain't going anywhere, and no one's touching that Tavares contract. Nope. 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 Either Nylander or Marner. And again, but the word is, the word, uh, actually, I, I highlighted serious, but the word trouble is in there. And I'm still not really liking Campbell and Morazic, the two of them, no. that either. So no. it's, I don't think they're going to do it with goaltending and defense. I think they're going to have to do it with their offense. And I don't think they're as good offensively as they were. So, but we're going to stick with the same uh, trouble line. And uh, Jeremy Carlton. He's going to be the first coach fired. Philk. Uh, I'm buying everybody around on this because <laughs> I, I just think that Chicago, it has nothing to do with everything else that's going on, but that team is just so bad right now. And they, they, they overpaid mightily for Seth Jones more on that in a bit um, to, to get him. And they gave up Adam Boquist and the equivalent of two other first round picks and now you've got an overpaid $9.5 million defenseman who can't carry a defense corpse because he hasn't played well since the 2017-18 season ended in which he was playing near Norris caliber hockey. So um, you got that. Mark andre Fleury can't carry that team because the defense is just so bad. 
obviously this team is probably going to further fall into an even bigger tailspin with everything that's going on. And eventually it's going to lead to Colleton being fired. So I, I'm buying around on this. Which, by the way, the hard part about buying around on whenever I use that graphic is that we crush Anthony's head every single time the glasses. <laughs> <play. laughs> That's all right. Anthony, go ahead. I don't mind two brewskis being by my face. Um, <laughs> Nobody you know, likes I was, that. I was going to go around, but then I thought about Montreal's situation and Ducharme. And, you know, I, I don't. I, He's I, got a leash. Yeah. He's got a leash. Because Weber's, Weber's basically retired, and I know Weber's Price, gone. Price is gone. He's got a leash. But that's, but that's still, that's still a, 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 you know, a bad situation there. The wheels are falling off the bus. But um, yeah, I, I ultimately think it will be Carlton, though. I mean, they're they're a tire fire right now. But the Montreal aspect kept me at beer. But I mean, it it could, it could very easily happen with Carlton and soon. You know something? It's I'm buying. I'm buying. I was trying to debate on it for a second. I didn't want to go around on it. I I just again speaking about a guy. What exactly do they do? They hang their hat on. Usually it's a shooting gallery in Chicago every single year. You got you go out. You spend the money on uh, Jones and you get Flurry. And so far they're they. I don't think they still led. One second of a game this year. No, they haven't. They, they haven't. haven't. They haven't let a single second. And you, you, you improve your offense by bringing back Jonathan Taves, who you missed last year, and then you brought in Tyler Johnson. Even though Tyler Johnson's not the 2015 Tyler Johnson from the triplets line, yeah. you, you still thought that he could give you something to help out. But the forward, but the forwards haven't helped out the defense. The defense is a tire fire. And you have last year's Vezina winner who's going to be, what, 37 years old? That's when players start to decline, and especially goaltenders. It's harder on the body with goaltenders because constant up and down, going into the butterfly, going down to your knees, that wears on you as a player. So when you have an aging goaltender like that and a poor defense in front of him and just poor overall structure as a team in front of him, that makes it 10 times harder on Flurry. Flurry can't save them like he saved Vegas because Vegas actually had structure with Gallant. They got no structure in Colton in Chicago. It, it, and that's part of his coaching style too. That's what's even weirder. But we're going to move on to, well, we're going to stay with Chicago. Seth Jones has one of the worst contracts in the league. Anthony? So are we... Are we still to, like guys like uh, Louis Erickson and Andrew Ladd only have a year or two left? Are, are we still no? Are we still counting those no. guys? No, no, because their their contracts are off the books at the end of this season, and you get to worry. You don't have to worry about them after that. All right. So if you're if they're off the, I mean, yeah, yeah I guess you're talking. Jeff Skinner is definitely one of them. Jeff Skinner's um, probably the worst. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go around. So, because again, if guys like uh, you know Lucic and Erickson and Ladd are aren't counted anymore because they're ending in a year or two, then then yeah, I'm gonna say round that Seth Jones contract is gonna be one of the worst in the league for sure. Because you know, right? It's what it hasn't even kicked in yet. It starts next year starts and next the, year. Yeah, at the rate that he's playing, uh, unless unless he goes back to the Seth Jones of you know, of 2017, 2018, and 18, 19, um, then it's 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 not going to age well. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go around there. 
this around and through there was never a question of whether it was anything (laughs) else because there's no way that you can give someone like him 9.5 million to be an absolute dumpster fire as a first pairing defenseman on a team that lacks depth to begin with he he, uh, jeff skinner's contract is probably the only one that's worse than his you want to talk about darnell nurse okay darnell nurse got overpaid we get it I, I didn't like that contract either because it was only for one good solid season of hockey. But at least Darnell Nurse looks like a top pairing defenseman right now. Seth Jones does not look like a, a top pairing defenseman at all. He looks like a number four, number five. And in comparison, you have some of the better contracts in the league, like, like Steven saying here, Slavin, McKinnon, so on. I, I mean – you know, we talked about McDonough having one of the best contracts in the league for a long time while he was with the Rangers because he was making less than $5 million and he was a legitimate number one defenseman. But Seth Jones got to be a provincial selection for Team USA because of the now, now, uh, I don't even want, I don't even know the word to, to describe Stan Bowman now. Former GM. Yeah, f- uh, just former, former GM wanted to play favorites and nepotism and hire his own there, obviously, but because you know what it's Seth Jones has just been brutal. He's been bad since that 2017, 18 season ended. If you look at the analytics, they're awful. They're awful. The eye test supports them too. So this is going to be a real bad contract for Chicago for a very long time, unless they find somebody to come in and help him out or they draft a legitimate top pairing defenseman. But, oh, wait, I forgot. They traded a p- potential top-pairing defenseman away in Adam Boquist to get Seth Jones. To get Seth Jones, yeah. If we were playing press your luck, this would be a double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I really want to say beer. I really do because I, I like Seth Jones as a player. And I think a new coach and maybe even if they could just find him a, a better defense pair, they'll be fine. But I got to buy everybody around on this. As of right now, things are – presently constructed there is no chance these he's going to be able to do anything to justify that contract oh boy that contract um the pittsburgh pain play is unsustainable mr fakowski i believe this one was yours yeah uh i'm going to buy around on this uh, i i don't see how they can continue to do what they're doing and and they'll they'll have to start playing better teams tampa bay obviously you've seen from their start so far that they've taken a hit nikita kucherov being out hasn't helped them either um but pittsburgh will not be able to uh do this <laughs> yeah that's a good one brody how do we ltir seth jones for eight years I mean, you could ask the Islanders about Andrew Ladd. I mean, <laughs> Lou, Lou might be able to help you with that. But, um, yeah, I I don't see how Pittsburgh continues this. Gensel is out. Carter's out now. Crosby's still out. Malkin's going to be out for, I think, at least another month or so. Uh, how do they – and now Latang's out too. So uh, how, how do they how do they continue to, to, to win games like this? I, I don't see how it continues. I, I'm, I'm saying round. Anthony. Round. Uh, I mean, you know, they, I, I, I still, Tristan Jerry, I think, is still not like a formidable goaltender. Um, yeah, they've had some success with their top guys out, but again, 
that that's not really going to last once they really start to get into the meat and the potatoes of the season here. Um, and then, you know, again, I, I just, I think Jerry's going to, you know, reintroduce the true, him, the true self soon. Um, and again, I know Crosby coming back will help uh, Malkin in a month will help. Um, but I, I still think this team's on the downward trend, despite, you know, the, what we've seen here in the beginning of the season. Um, you know, they always say like American Thanksgiving is like the benchmark to where like if you're in a playoff spot, typically you end up making it and you really see what teams are by that point. I think by that point, um, I think they're going to be much lower in the standings. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the only team I think after American Thanksgiving that really surprised everybody was the St. Louis Blues. Louis Blues. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's only one reason why I'm going beer guys. And that's who's got the most Stanley cup rings as a coach in the Metro division. That would be Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan. Yep. So it's one of those moments where you go, I, I wish like my team had him as an assistant coach and then maybe promoted him. I don't know. Maybe he would have been our coach. Uh, oh. Stanley cup rings. Don't know. We'll never know, but still back to this. Uh, Mike Sullivan's doing a good job in Pittsburgh. I I know it's easy to do it without with Crosby on that roster, but you know this team that they, they've started out pretty well. I, they should they should drop off a little bit with all their injuries, but then once they get their guys back, look out for them. And yep. yes, Anthony, I'm with you. Tristan Jari eventually is going to be Tristan Jari. You know the one armed goaltender that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't know how to how to work a glove. Play baseball for a minute. So anyway, let's go to Motown. Lucas Raymond will be a Calder Trophy finalist. And you know, boys, I'm going to start it off by buying everybody around. I know we had our Calder Trophy guys that we were picking before the season. Mine was his teammate, Moritz Sider. Um, he's looking pretty good, guys. Can't, can't ignore that. He became the third teenager in Detroit history to score four points in a game. Can you name the other two? Wait, what, what, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Lucas Raymond became the third teenager to score four points in a game. Steve Eiserman. One. Third teenager. The other player was a teenager that scored. You don't have to four, think that hard. Four points against Sergey Fedorov. Fedorov. Nope. Anthony. Lidstrom. Gordy Howe. Oh, so. That, that's that's a, that's a quite an impressive thing. Granted, he's got four goals of the season. Three of the four were in one game, but right now he leads rookies. Let's see if that is the case later. Anthony. I think round. Um, you know, I, we kind of forgot about him. Fourth overall in 2020, uh, maybe because he just plays for the Red Wings. But, um, you know, he was highly touted in his draft year. Um, and I think he's, he's looked apart so far in Detroit. I mean, he's, he's one of their – best young players aside from what Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, you know, he's really also helping fill the void of Jacob Rana, who's out for a while with his shoulder. Um, and I think Raymond's going to get the playing time for Detroit. Uh, so unless he really kind of, you know, hits a wall, I, I don't think he's just going to disappear. And, you know, this rookie class, I'm not saying it's, you know, it's weak because you got guys like Zegers and, and Drysdale, um, you know, Cole, Cole Sillinger and, you know, Reese so you got yeah, yeah McTavish. So you got a bunch of guys, um, but I think he can hang with all of them, frankly. So uh, I'm going to go round, um, and I'm fairly confident in that. Phil, I was teetering on this one. 
and I was teetering between beer and round. But thinking about it, I think I got to buy a round. Like Anthony said, the, the, the ice time thing is huge, especially for a, a rookie. And and obviously we've seen this with Capo Caco and the Vitaly Kravtsev situation and Alexi Lafreniere and, and getting these guys in and getting them their minutes and, and proper utilization too is, is a big key. And Detroit seems like they're just – Utilizing Raymond perfectly, the, the 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 offensive zone start times are are in his favor. They're not putting him in defensive roles or anything like that, or or having the majority of his shifts start in the defensive zone, which is big because you you don't want to do that to a rookie and put too much on his plate. They're just letting him go out there, and also he's playing in Detroit. There's no pressure on him to produce. He's just going out there and playing hockey and having fun and just developing, improving himself. And that's what it should be about for rookies. They shouldn't have to bear the load of an entire franchise or organization on their shoulders right off the bat. And Lucas Raymond isn't going to have to do that there. That team's not expected to win. So I, I think I'm going to have to really buy a round on this. Anthony, one of the hazards of being Italian is that, if you notice, I'm always holding a pen. But it's also <laughs> I accidentally broke it as I'm playing around with it because you need to, you need to have something pen? in your hands. When you're talking in your Italian, is that so. a chase pen? A what? Is that a chase pen from Chase Bank? Uh, no, I got it from a oh. hotel I was at last oh. or two years ago. Never mind. It was, about it was from uh, Barefoot Resorts in uh, uh, geez, was that actually South Carolina? Was that uh, Arizona? I don't know. I'll, I'll look that up another time. But moving on, Andrew Margiapani is one of the top underrated players in the league. Bilk. Yeah, uh, I know we're. It seems like we're doing a lot of rounds and shots here with no little to no beers, but uh, I'm going around here, and I'm not just saying that because of his seven, you know, his six game start leading the NHL with seven goals. But this was a guy last year that on that was on pace for 26 goals and 47 points, and he just he doesn't quit on plays. He's a play driver. Um, he wasn't playing top six minutes for the most part. He was really kind of like a third liner. And even in 2019 or 2019-20, he was he scored at, at a near 40-point pace then and almost had almost 20 goals as well. So this is somebody who's really been under the radar for the last few years. Um, I don't know if you could really call Alexander Barkov underrated anymore after he won the Selkie. And you know, he had a 90-point year a few years back. So Andrew Mangiapane is probably taking his spot right now. Probably the most underrated player in the league, in my opinion, at least. I put an R in there, didn't I? I called him Mangiapane, didn't I? No, no I think you called Mangiapane. I think. Yeah, I, uh, or Mangiapane. Anthony, jump on in. Uh, I'm gonna go beer. I mean, he's you know two two years ago he had 17 goals. Last year at 18. Um, he's got six, six or seven this year so far. Um, so he, he definitely score and he brings some, he brings some heaviness to his game as well. He's not afraid to mix it up. Um, he's a good piece for Calgary. You know, he kind of supports Gaudreau and Monaghan and Lindholm. Um, I think a lot of teams would, would like him in the league. Um, the reason I'm not going round is because there's so many guys that I think have been doing it longer than him that kind of don't get the love that, you know, they, they might. They might deserve. Okay, um, but, but, but let's distinguish something though. Our, we don't. You don't have to necessarily be the best player to be the most underrated. That's true. I mean, that, I, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, you're talking to a guy 
who's an Islander. I mean, I thought Franz Nielsen was at the top of this category for the longest time in his heyday. Exactly. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, that's true. Which, again, yeah, Jerome McGinley was probably the top of this category for the longest time. But when you keep saying a guy is the most underrated, eventually he's rated. I don't know how long McGinley was there for. McGinley, what, his it – uh, it probably, I think his sixth season was the one where he won the – Won the rocket, the rocket yeah. Had, he, did he share the rocket one more time after that? Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, so yeah. I, and he wasn't really underrated for a long time. But if you knew I, anything I, about hockey, you would know that. Which, yeah. by the way, I'm going to beer, and uh, one reason why I'm going to go with yes, I would go with Sebastian Ajo. But again, yeah, same thing too. He's 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 the heir apparent to uh, to uh, Alexander Barkov. But the um, I'm going to go beer, and there I'm going to actually use the words. That, that Phil said uh, underrated. I don't know if he's underrated. I think he's breaking out right now, which I think if he's breaking out, then he becomes underrated because people aren't going to talk about him as he's breaking out. But that's just, you know, playing with that a little bit. And guys, we're, we were talking about dirty play earlier in the day, but PK Subban is proof that the NHL is not hard enough on Slewfoot's Anthony. Take it away. We're going to go around. Um, when he did it with Reeves, I, I had said, like, like, how he reacted, how he reacted afterwards, how, like, he seemed, like, generally concerned about Reeves, didn't really leave his side. I'm like, all right, well, clearly, you know, clearly that was an accident. You know, he didn't mean it. Um, but then when I saw what he did the other night, it was basically a carbon, you know, a carbon copy to the, to the slew foot on Reeves. And I'm like, oh, well, now, you know, now it's kind of almost becoming a thing where, you know, it's obvious when you look back on, you know, the Reeves situation. And, you know, Subban seems like a, you know, seems like a great guy. We all know about the charitable work he did with Montreal. And, you know, he does a program. He did a program in, in Nashville with like Blue Line Buddies where he brought in like a guy from the inner community and, you know, introduced him to a cop. And, you know, so he's he's a good guy. He does a lot, but that doesn't absolve him of kind of what he does on the ice. Then I, I think it's becoming a little bit too much of a, uh, of a thing with him here with, you know, two slow, two slew foots in what, like a month, month and a half. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is pretty clear cut um, that it's around. And as far as in general, I think it is a dangerous thing that they need to really – I know they, they cracked down on cross-checks. That was a focus on the offseason. They put more emphasis to call it. Um, but you need you, you need to watch Slewfoots because it could be really dangerous because a lot of times the guy doesn't see it coming because you kick his leg out with your leg and, you know, before you know it, you know, he's on your back. You could hit your head. You could twist your knee awkwardly. Um, it's a – You could be stuck in the ice. Yeah, it's a dangerous yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned to hit your head. That the thing that I was thinking of of it because I, I've been slew footed before, and thankfully we all have. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure all three of us have. But yeah. the thing I thought of was Joe Pavelski and how he had that bad fall in the playoffs a couple of years ago that yeah. led to San Jose coming back, winning that game, winning that series against Vegas. But um, this is. The, the one of the worst plays in hockey is probably the dirtiest play in hockey, aside from I would say cup checking someone for everyone who knows that is it's a spear right to the uh the cojones. I'll but, say it's uh, even dirtier, but go ahead. I, I, yeah, I would say it's dirtier too, but um, you, you can't slap them, you can't slap PK Subban on a wrist fine like this. 
you've, you've got to start making examples of, of players that do things like this and, and really start cracking down on them. They're not hard enough on it. They're not. So I'm, I'm buying around. And if you're going to continue to sap players on the wrist, these things are going to continue to happen. And then someone's really going to get hurt in the NHL is going to be, you know, face palming again. Oh, we had to address that, but we didn't. And now we look like idiots. So, yeah. How about you start addressing it now? Well, Colin Campbell's still in the league's office, right? I believe he is. Yeah, and he's involved. Yeah. When he got involved initially, one of his players, Bill Berg, was a victim of a slew foot in the playoffs. So he wanted to crack down on slew footing. That's when he actually took over as the czar of discipline. I am not only going to buy everybody around, because as you're saying, and, and I'll, I'll go back to what you're saying right here, Anthony, The it's proof that the NHL isn't hard enough. They fucking rewarded him with a Norris trophy. Are you kidding me? There's only three things that are certain in life. Death, taxes, PK Subban's Duluthfoots. Do I want this guy on my team? Yeah, for two reasons. One, big shot, and I know he can't slew foot me. I mean, I can't wait till he eventually retires and, and goes on and, and becomes a great personality for the NHL. But it's sort of like that thing. There's like a saying from bartenders where it's, oh, I he's a great guy. Just when he gets drunk, he's he's a little bit uncontrollable. Well, it's like, you know, I'm a bartender, right? So in other words... My chances of being slew-footed go up. It's like, great. P.K. Subban is great. I would, again, I would take him to be the head of my organization in the heartbeat. I wouldn't want him on the ice because eventually he's going to get suspended or fined. And slew-foot people. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys think? Um, P.K. Subban, slew-footing? Is that, is that all? Are, are we are we being too tough on him? I don't know. Are, are we? I, I don't I don't know. Seth Jones, Seth Jones, one of the worst contracts in the league. Artemi Panarin, are you worried about him if he's the Eric Rangers? Are you worried about uh, J? Uh, I almost said JP Parise, Zach Parise, if you're the New York Islanders? Obviously <laughs> not. Yes, may you rest in peace. JP Parise, who scored the first series clinching goal between the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers. Yes, so, yeah. yep. So, guys, put it all down in the comments below. Ooh. Um, I, oh, sorry. What were you about to say? Yeah. TSN just confirmed that John Doe is, in fact, Kyle Beach, something that Steven and a few others and I were talking about in a group chat. Yeah. The Kyle Beach? That was a prospect of the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Yes. First round never, draft pick. Never panned out. His disappearance was was sudden too which yeah. didn't make sense and yeah oh no <clears throat> wow what do we uh we i think uh what mark was about to was about to uh move on to was the halloween costumes weren't you yeah so yeah, we're gonna take a breath to... we're gonna take a breath and uh get on to that because okay so with Halloween coming next week, we had a bit of a a lot more fun sketch than that news that we just got. And uh, our so anyway, we want to we want to ask ourselves what would NHL players be dressed up as for Halloween? And we got some costume ideas for all of them. And Philk is going to start with his three, and I'm just going to put it on the put it on the board as he says it. 
So the first one I had was uh, Chris Kreider as Casper the Friendly Ghost. Because Chris Kreider, when he doesn't show up, he's really just a ghost. If he doesn't score, he's a ghost. Uh, he's really not there if he doesn't score or deflect pucks in this case. <laughs> he hasn't scored on a shot this season. So, yeah, Chris Kreider is Casper the Friendly which, Ghost. Which hurts the president of the Chris Kreider fan club. Yeah, so. deal with it. All right. Uh, the next one I wanted to do was Nikita Kucherov as Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, because it seems like every time he's out there now these days, he's got an injury that puts him on LTIR. So, yeah, it looks like he's fallen apart and you wonder if they can put him back together in time for the playoffs. <laughs> well, always do. And his, and his number doesn't go on the cap. No, nope, no. Nope, cap circumvention. It's great. Uh, and then my last one, I just put Connor McDavid as Jesus because I call him McJesus for a reason. And yeah, he's just if Gretzky, if Wayne Gretzky is God, which he is in hockey, Connor McDavid is absolutely Jesus. So <laughs> I don't think I have to say anything more there. I think I would have gone with Mario ahead of that, but okay, that's that's fine right now. All right, so those are Filk's costumes. We are now going to go to our Mr. Anthony Loraco and what he picked. So I started with um, my boy, Ilya Sorokin, uh, and I put him as Mr. Fantastic because, as you know, um, Mr. Fantastic can stretch and conform uh, to his body, arms, legs, and do pretty much anything. And Ilya Sorokin is one of the most athletic goalies, um, you know, I've seen. Uh, you know, we were watching the game against Vegas the other night, and you know, my even my wife noticed. She's like, "Oh wow, that guy's never gonna have kids." When <laughs> Sorokin is totally stressed out um, and did the splits, uh, so it's it's incredible what he does there. I thought that fit like a glove. Um, my second one, uh, being it's an Olympic year, Austin Matthews as Captain America. Uh, he might very well be captain of this Olympic team. Uh, I think he's the best goal scorer that they're gonna have, and you know, being that. Um, you know, he didn't get to see in Toronto. I think he's going to get to see for the U.S. Olympic team. You know, Arizona boy um, thought that was pretty fitting. And then lastly, um, one of my favorite players of all time, Alex Ovechkin as Benjamin Button. Because, well, guys, he's 36 years old. Uh, he's got seven goals. Uh, I mean, this guy's playing at a pace where you could see him score 50 goals this year, which at 36 years old to do that would be incredible. Uh, and I think fifty, another fifty goal season from Ovi, pretty much all but not guarantees, but makes his chase to Gretzky that much more feasible. I uh, he is he is certainly playing like uh, he is much younger. Yeah, uh, I, I think he would be the oldest player to score fifty goals in a season if he does it. Yeah. Uh yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't think there's anyone uh, that, that's older that's done it. Yeah, it's because, again, you need to have longevity. You need to be able to um, still feel good and, you know, get it, it, it's hard to get through an NHL season. Remember the year Verbeek and Messier were knocking on the door of 50 and then Verbeek separated his shoulder and Messier um, had back spasms. So, you yeah. never know. It could just happen like that. All right. We're going to go to my costumes. And my first one was Igor Sesterkin as Atlas, not the maps, 
the Greek god that had to hold everything together and hold the world up because after all, that's what Igor Sesterkin is currently doing for the New York Rangers. Where would they be without Igor Sesterkin right now? Help. I mean, uh, that's just one I can't help but ask. And I think Anthony Soler, my next one's going, as the Las Vegas Golden Knights, I'm going to dress them up as a power play goal. I, I was confused what to do for the Las Vegas Golden Knights for a power play goal, but they still don't have a power play goal. <laughs> it's, I mean, do you guys know what a power play goal is like? Do you know you're supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders? I, I, mean, I think when they score a power play goal, somebody should just like plug Sam Rosen saying it in their stadium on their on their PA system so that this way you can hear that because that would be hilarious. Well, going uh, going into last night, there were two teams that didn't have a power play goal in the season. One of them was Vegas. The other one was Colorado. Colorado, and then Colorado got a power play yeah. goal. From Cal McCarr, yeah. And guys, we are two hours and three minutes into this show today, unless you're watching this on the short segment that you don't have to worry about it. But it wouldn't be a Big Apple Hockey show unless we mention this name. And by the way, it's Jack Eichel as the prisoner from Iron Maiden. It's it's, it's, it's just where, and I was listening to that before. I'm not a prisoner. We're not going to sing. Don't worry about that. But a great song. You should listen to that. And poor Jack Eichel now. And he's actually got me feeling sorry for him. Just tell him which surgery to have. I mean, let get this guy back in there. The Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers power play has been just as bad. Uh, But you know what, Baba, uh, (laughs) Mr. Ganush, I got to say, that's one of the questions we have. We want to know what some of your costumes that you guys might have in mind right now. Throw them, throw them in the comments. We're going to spend about two minutes discussing them, please. Jordan Stoll is Paul Bunyan. He looks like he could be Paul Bunyan. He he probably could be. He's 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 one big boy. Johnny, Uh, this this is a good one from uh, Brody. They need to dress as a hockey skate because they forgot how to cycle the puck on the power play. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. And there's there's a lot of those. Johnny Busick, by the way, oldest player for fifty goals. Yep. Age of 35. That's All crazy. Right. Um, I actually have an editorial today, too. That's what's even funnier about that before we could get to Q&A. So I'll, I'll go really quick. But I, have about, I have about like 10 minutes left or so before I got to go get dinner going for my little Yeah, ones, I'll so. get, I have a hockey game at 8, so I'm going to have to start. Uh, yeah, my hockey game is at 9.50 in Dick's Hills, so I got I to gotta get a little bit of nappy time in there. Too. Yeah. Greg McKeg is Brett Howden. <laughs> so if you just want to do, uh, do oh yeah, we'll do the we'll do the Q and A now before. and before and well, well, it's just me and Phil. I'll do the because uh, uh, my my topic today is uh, the resurrection or a resurrection needed by a video game franchise. Give you a hint: it's NHL. So I, mean, I, guess, I guess we could start with the the, the Jack Eichel to Vegas uh, rumors. Yeah. I know. Uh, Frank Jalen, oh, <laughs> I love you for that one. That's great. Frank uh, Frank Cervelli was the one that was reporting that Vegas and and the Sabers are kind of in some you know serious talks here for Eichel. Um, you know, I, I think I think it fits. I think it fits like a glove uh, personally because they don't. You know, they they need another center. But my thing is with Pacioretty's out. Uh, Stone is out. Um, when they trade for Eichel, he's not going to play for the you know the, for the first bit there. So 
they're gonna they're gonna give up assets to get Eichel, um, and they'll be weaker in the meantime. But you know, I think I think ownership really really wants them to take the next step, and I, I think they feel having a guy like Jack Eichel at center will help them do that. And I just I just wonder if they could get him without giving up Peyton Krebs because I don't I don't see any reason why they should include Krebs in a deal for Eichel. I think he's I think he's been too good for them. Um, but and it'll be interesting to see if it this actually gets over the goal line here. But um, you know, I'm sure Eichel would jump at the chance to join to join Vegas. I mean, who 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 wouldn't want to play in Las Vegas? I um I gotta say this. Vegas might be the one team that's a contender that can afford to trade for Jack Eichel and wait. Because the rest of them, if the Rangers did it, they're not making the playoffs. You're not going to be able to trade assets on the roster. <laughs> but that division, that division is, is pretty weak. Um, and... Oh, God, that's great, too. Bambi, oh, tripping over a wire. Oh, but um, that division's pretty weak, and I think Vegas could actually give up a couple of NHL assets and still make the playoffs and then make a run with Jack Eichel. I Which, by the way, Jack Eichel is still waiting to play his first playoff game. I, I really do think there would have to be a third team, and I, I, I have a feeling that maybe it could be the Rangers because they would – want to move salary the rangers have room and they need depth on the right wing and riley smith obviously is a favorite of gerard gallant so i, I wonder if if the rangers would get involved to be a third team there to get because I, I i don't i don't know if they're going to go after eichel anymore i i really don't i i think that after that mika extension, right, hold, on, hold on one sec guys i gotta stop hold on go ahead yeah and <laughs> PK Subban is an NFL kicker. <laughs> Can you get a little Scott Norwood reference? Wide right. PK going wide right, taking out Ryan Reeves' right leg. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Vegas might also have to give up um, Nicholas Hague in the deal too. If they're gonna get, I heard he, he's another name. Yeah, but they, they they've gotta they've gotta give up. They've gotta move more cap. I mean, I don't I, – I, they can't really take in Eichel because they went out and they re-signed Martinez. They signed Brassois. They they uh, they signed Dadnov. They've got to move probably about at least $9 million in cap to make the cap work. There's yeah. No I mean, it's it's either it's either that or or Buffalo retains. But my, if I had to take guess, I would say Alex Tuck would probably be involved just because he makes yeah. – you know, with four or five million, so that would help. But then you need another. If there's no retention, you need another player too that makes a sizable amount. So Tuck and Tuck and Riley Smith, maybe they make uh, about nine. I would say together. Yeah, it's again they gotta figure out what assets that they got. And I, you think Buffalo's asking for a king ransom? You think Vegas has got that? They've dealt well, away most of their stuff over the last three years. I don't. I would. I would wonder if someone like Pavel Dorofeyev would end up being available in that trade because they're, they're not. They're not going to give up Peyton Krebs, but Pavel Dorofeyev, and they shouldn't do it. You're right. I mean, Vegas because of LTIR 
has they have just under six million in LTIR being used yeah. right now between Mark Stone and Zach Whitecloud. But how long is Mark Stone going to be out for? Because that's nine point five million that comes back when he comes back, depending on when it is. It's, I know it's prorated at that point. Maybe right. they can keep him out till the playoffs, like uh, Nikita right. Kucherov. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how serious that injury is. So, I mean, yeah. I well, think- I mean, I, I think I think it really would suit Vegas to do it, though. In the long, I mean, you you get Jack Eichel as your number one center. Yeah, Stevenson goes down, plays down on the lineup, which is where he William should be. Carlson. Yeah, so William Carson as a two wouldn't be bad. Chandler so, Stevenson going back down to a number three center role yeah. would really help them big time. Yeah, well, well, but uh, there's there's yeah. actually a package that Vegas could offer. They could offer a former first round draft pick and another first rounder. And uh, Buffalo would be stupid to say no. And that would be uh, Brett Howden <laughs> for Jack Eichel. <laughs> Which, by the way, just to say something with his neck surgery, that's the package you deserve right now. <laughs> David Quinn takes that package and runs if he's a general manager. Oh, let me have Brett Howden. He's got good intentions. He's got good intentions. Oh, intentions per 60. What, what do you – another thing I, I had included in my bar talk that no one saw, but I said the most surprised team. Um, is a is it San Jose? Is it Buffalo? Um, is I, it, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is hands it, down, is the most is, is the biggest is it surprise. Tampa in a, in a negative way? I mean um, – But Buffalo is going to come back down to earth like really, really soon. San Jose could actually maybe sustain their play for a little I, bit with some of the guys they have. Buffalo, there's a mirage. Yeah, I, I'm. I think it's. I think San Jose is the one that that surprised me. I mean, I thought Carlson was done. I mean, he looks he looks a lot better so far this season. Yeah. Um, and then William Eklund, uh, you know, Weatherby, Jonathan Dolan. Yeah, yeah. They they're you know Timo Myers. They're 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 playing well right now, and which is surprised because even says Jonathan Dolan right after yeah. I mention his name. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Because I thought Aiden Hill and James Reimer was a was a pretty bad tandem. I I had ranked them. I had ranked that tandem as actually like the like the third the third or fourth worst in the league. And um, I mean, right now their record shows that I'm wrong, but we'll see if it comes if they show their true colors. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But I, I think they'll compete into the later part of the season. And yeah. You know, they, they uh, like to me. They're the they're the surprise because I thought they were going to be a, a, a seller dweller for most of the year. I didn't yes. think Carlson would find the fountain of youth again and and start playing more like he did three four years ago. But yeah. um, I mean they they look all right right now. Let let's see if that uh let's see if that translates. And goes now, what are your what are your thoughts on on the Rangers? Maybe um, have a good night, Bobby. Maybe the Rangers sending Niels Lundqvist down to Hartford and calling up another defenseman. Um, just out of curiosity, because you I know he's got he's got he's played six games. He hasn't registered a point yet. You, sometimes you want to make sure you want to get the guy to gain confidence. Yeah, if he would if he if he would go to Hartford, he would rack up points, and I think his game, his confidence will will lift. But he's not the first guy I'd send down. I'd send down Keandre Miller before I even touch Niels Lundqvist. Uh, I, I, Keandre Miller has, has been awful since the, the first half of last season ended. And even before the Jacob Truba injury last season, he, he hit a rookie. Oh, he has. And, and he, he, he definitely it, has. 
And and it's not just because he's he's not putting up points or or anything like that, and he's just not playing lockdown. His decision making is questionable with and without the puck at times. He continues to let forwards get behind him, which was the biggest thing that I harped on last season, and I've been harping on it in my good, bad, and uglies this season as well. Is you can't continue to let defenders get behind you and get home run passes. That's the, probably the worst thing you can do as a defenseman, aside from just flat out blowing your assignments. So. Yeah. Um, I would call up Zach Jones and and replace Keandre Miller because I, I, I honestly I'm going to be flat out honest with you I'd trade Keandre Miller right now if if Buffalo and the Rangers got if Drury started talking to Adams again and Adams said I, you give me Keandre Miller Ryan Strom a first round pick and Vitaly Kravtsov and you can get Jack Eichel I, I'd do it. I, I would do yeah. it, and I, I would sell high on Keandre Miller before teams figure out that he has a problem. And you know what? If he turns out and corrects it and ends up becoming a good, good defenseman, then you could just chalk it up to saying, hey, we had other defensemen in our organization that we thought were going to be better, and those, were, those, those defenders can probably help you out anyway. Zach Jones? Zach Jones looks like he can run a power play. Zach Jones looks like Adam Fox light. And you know what? It's funny. His coach at UMass – Said that, and a lot of people were like, whoa, slow down, including myself. I'll, I'll admit that. I even said to slow down when I heard that comparison. But Zach Jones really plays smart hockey. And, I'm, yeah, sure, he's undersized, but he skates well, he moves the puck well, and he's he's got great decision-making and smarts. So give him a shot. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you about all that. My thing going back to Lundquist is I'm a big proponent in, in – bring a you know young defenseman along um with kind of kind of kid gloves because i think a defenseman who's used to you know scoring points i think at a young age when you play in the nhl and you're not you know you're not producing i think every day eventually you start to maybe lose some confidence so i'm just saying at, at what point would you at least consider getting sending nils down to gain a little more seasoning this way he gets he gains that confidence back and then when he comes back up, he can he could flourish. Because I mean, let's face it. Aside from the zero point, he ha- he obviously hasn't set the world on fire. So basically, what what's better, him staying here and you know status quo, or going to going to Hartford and playing more minutes, a bigger role, and producing, and he comes up a more confident player. So what at what point would you you think that you consider doing that? Okay, what's the alternative? The alternative is that if you do that you have to bring up one of either Jared Tenorti or Lieber Hayek. And they're both trash. <laughs> they are both absolute garbage. So uh, I don't know if that necessarily helps. I, I get it. And I agree with you to a point, but <laughs> Mark, please. Yeah. What do you, uh, I mean, I'm actually one of the people that would say, I, I tend to throw the kids into the fire as long as they can mentally handle it. And as long as it doesn't crush their confidence. And if you're checking in with them several different times, you, you check in with the kids frequently. You, you just in this, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. You, you can also yell at them if you want when you have to, but if they're fine, then, then let them make mistakes. As long as it's not killing their confidence. If it is killing their confidence, drop them down a level. It's the same re- same way that we'll drop down a difficulty on a video game because it's, it's too hard and then ratchet it back up again when we're ready for it it's um because i it's sort of like a 
like an NFL thing to do. Just throw, throw them out there. I understand what you're saying though, Anthony, if you need to, if, if you need to send them down for seasoning, you let them get some seasoning because plenty of guys on this roster all played in the minors before they got up. And it's a privilege to play with the big club. It is not a right to tally Kratzoff. And maybe, maybe you could have just gone down for a little bit and then been right back up. Because the one thing I didn't get a chance to say last week, if there was any time Vitaly Kratzoff should have went to Hartford, it was this year. You would have been the first call-up. Yeah. You would have been the first or second yeah. call-up. Instead, you whined, you went back to Russia. Okay, here's the only thing I'll say in regard to that. They did the same thing two years ago and every he went down there. There was a problem down there. It was obviously a problem. He came out and said that he would play for any other team in the AHL but the Rangers. That tells you that something is going on in Hartford with him. Something's not right, whether it's between him and Knobloch, him and other players on the team. I, I I don't know what the issue was, but that Arthur Staple article, which was yeah. amazing, by the way, if anybody hasn't read Arthur Staple's uh, first article as writer for The Athletic, because um, he's, I, I say that in quotations. Well, for the Rangers. He's covered, uh, he's covered the Rangers before for Newsday. So he, Arthur Staples, no uh, stranger to New York hockey, especially the Rangers. But um, that article did not paint Chris Drury. And yeah, I saw that I'm before. Not, that. I'm not quite sure what that with that. Oh, it's, oh, it's a joke. That's Rick, Rick is busting your chops, Anthony. Yeah. yeah Everybody says you're the coolest Islander fan that they know. Yeah. Well, he. Because I, I, I just, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe it's just because. You know, I'm an Islander fan, so I see how Lou, you know, Lou does. Lou does. I was just he brought, that. He brought Noah Dobson along very, you know, very slowly, and I, I thought um, Dobson, you know, made big strides last year and this year. I, you know, no issues. I think he's, I think he's been good. And you know, another guy, Oliver Wallstrom, they brought him along slowly, and um, nothing but good things with him. And I, I, I think there's a case to be. I, I get some teams, have, you know, have no problem thrusting their young guys right into the lineup, which is nothing wrong with that. But I think there's something to be said for bringing – obviously, unless you're a Crosby, yeah, you go and play right away. But other prospects, I, I think it's beneficial for them to, you know, grind their teeth and really learn learn the, the every game. Every player's different. All right, and, yeah, and every player's different. And every player – the player can change their development very easily and very quickly. One of the guys that I'm thinking about with this is Kapokaka. The Rangers did try to, like, kind of force him in a little bit early. Then David Quinn – Holy crap, pulled the rug right under him. Like he went from being on the top power play unit uh in his first year. I think he had four goals in his in his first five weeks. And then he didn't even see power play two last year. If you mean to tell me that this kid is supposed to be a future 40 goal scorer, future uh pillar of your team, something to build on, you're not gonna play him on power play two. Here, here's the problem. And and I what I was saying before with the Kravtsov before I got off the track off the tracks there was the fact that they did this two years ago. There was a problem, obviously, with him in Hartford. But instead of having Vitaly Kravtsov, who actually played well in the 19-20 preseason, they they had Michael Haley, who is an yeah. ECHL caliber player, Brendan Smith at forward, and they had Brett Howden in there. So do we really think that Vitaly Kravtsov would have been the first call-up? 
They're playing Dryden Hunt on the power play. That tells you all you need to know about the, the status of this organization in terms of handling their players and their yeah. focus right. It's not yeah. good. No, it's not. And I can tell you this, and, and diff, different players, so it's not, you know, it's it's not apples to apples, but just as you can see where I'm coming from, the example. The the Islanders drafted Josh Bailey, and he was he was, you know, relatively well touted player. And they were bad at that. No, they traded up to get him, didn't they? Yeah, they did. No, they traded. No, no, they traded down. They traded down twice, and they took Bailey. But um, he was coming over a ninety-six point season, and you know, I think the bar for him was set a little higher than ended up being. And I think a lot of that is because the Islanders brought him up as an eighteen-year-old at a time where they were bad. They were bad. They were lean. The very lean years. There was he had no business playing in the NHL those first those first two years. And he and he struggled, you know, so it took him it took him a while to become, you know, a formidable player. And, and because of that, over the years, he became a, he became a whipping boy. But when you look at it, realistically, yeah. but when you look at it realistically, he's developed into a, you know, a good look at he's going to hit a thousand games. He's he's like in the top 10 in Islander points. And, you know, he's a reliable 40, you know, 40 to maybe a 50 point player if he's playing with the right with the right players. But I think those early years hurt his development. He should have yeah. been playing junior. And I don't and know if left. I ever saw him being that great of a player. I remember when I talked to you when they drafted him, I, the comparison that I gave you is I thought he would be a Chris Drury type player. He would be a guy that would score maybe 20, 25 goals, and he would be anywhere from 50, maybe a 60-point player at his very best. He'd be a guy that could play hard and give you decent two-way play, and which is what pretty pretty much what he became with kind of a lesser points and lesser goals. But I, I really what kills me is you're right. The, the player development, and that's the problem that I'm alluding to with the Rangers. Something isn't right with the player development. You want to talk about the scouting all you want and the talent evaluation, but the player development, something's not right. And, and the player development wasn't right for him either, but the draft position really killed him because there were a lot of expectations for him during a time in which, they were going through a rebuild, and he was supposed to be one of those core pieces. And he just never, never got to that level. I, I think he was probably a little bit of a reach at that pick in, in two thousand eight. And I, I'm not; it's not; it's not a knock at him. It's just that there were other guys that went after him that ended up being much better players. And the yeah. Islanders probably didn't have the greatest talent evaluators at, at that point in time either. Yeah, so, not. I, I, I mean. It's a combination of things, but you're right. There, there. His development was definitely stunted to a point. And that's why you got you do you do have to be careful with with young players. And like I, I don't think that's happening with Kako. He's a much more much much more skilled player. Um, but you know, you could see the skill. Yeah, you could absolutely see the skill. And I, I think, and we've we've said it. We said it. You know, months ago, last season, that this is this is. Kako's year to really start putting up offensive numbers because if he doesn't put up offensive numbers then you know I think more doubts gonna enter his mind into or what kind of player you know can I really be and you know I, I think for the Rangers 
you know, you need you need to hit on that pick. They need him to, you know, break out and become that impact player. So and also sometimes we'll you just see. need to have patience and just let it let him become the player. Like, well, yeah, that's the have- thing. Look at Miko Rantanen. Miko Rantanen went and he really worked on his his speed and his strength, and he became an absolute beast of of a of a human being. And he's gotten great. I I know that playing with Nathan McKinnon has helped, but if you look at he's, it, he's a hell of a player. He doesn't need McKinnon. Yeah, but but what I was about to say is that when Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen got put together in what 2017 2018, both of them took off at that time. And there's there's no coincidence that the both of them have have been better with each other's help. Like that that's not a that's not a oh Gretzky you know did this for this guy and this guy was nothing without Gretzky. That's the two of them helping each other out, whether you want to say it or not. I think Miko Rantanen would be a guy that would scores at least thirty goals and at least seventy to eighty points somewhere else without Nathan McKinnon if you have him with a decent center. So. Um, but yeah, it's the, the player development is just definitely off with the Rangers, and uh, need, Kako needs time. Just give him a little time. You can see the flashes, the skill, the skating's improved. His strength along the boards. He wins board battles. He's a beast along the boards. Uh, I, I want to see what Capo Kako can do. The thing that he needs to work on the most is his shot. He just he needs to get that shot better, and I think if that shot improves, I think the pucks are going to start hitting the back of the net with a lot of frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would love to see Adam Fox improve his speed a little bit too, but he's definitely going to slouch in that department. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off before I, I do. I just uh, want to Dave Pagnotto tweeted some eight, eight minutes ago uh, regarding um, some of Kyle Beach's comments, and I think this is damning towards Quenville. And again, I don't know how he's uh, behind the bench tonight, but Kyle Beach says. I've witnessed meetings right after I reported it to James Gary. They were that were held in Joel Quenville's office. There's absolutely no way that he could deny knowing it. Yeah, um, he can't be on this bench tonight. So, he, he has to. But yeah, I, I'm I'm probably I'm out too on that note because I I got to start getting ready to go for my game. But um, this is this is bad, and I have a feeling that it's going to get worse. Yeah. I'm going to just record the editorial a different time because I can't, I, I can't go back to the editorial after this, this news. So yeah, it, it's um, hard enough to, to keep going by, by the way, D keep on fighting the good fight out there and keep on catching all the bad guys that you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, by the way, D where are you in North Carolina? I got a uh, family in Hampstead right now. They're moving to Wilmington. So. I figured I would just ask, but um, uh, speaking of Quenville, how does Florida handle him going forward? I think he's got to let you let go. I, I I don't care if he's your coach. I don't care if he's a Hall of Fame caliber coach. He he's got to be let go after all this, especially Kyle. And what does Kyle Beach have to? There's no axe to grind there. Uh, not that I, you know, I I get it. He was a he didn't wait. Player. He didn't wait ten years. And, and by the way, he didn't wait 10 years. He came forward about it in, in 2011. Yeah. He, yeah. he said something about it back then. So there, there, this was swept under the rug and he said something about it. And you know what? I, 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 I also heard that there was, I'm guessing that the player is him, that um, the homophobic slur was 
said towards, and he was chased around the ice. So I'm, I'm guessing that's him, which is just appalling and disgusting. And just, <laughs> I, I, I really, I, I, you know what? I, I, I would hate to end a broadcast like this, especially after, you know, but it just, it's, it's terrible. Do better, Chicago. Do better. And do better, NHL. And do and, and do better. And actually lay the hammer down on these guys. Uh, Johnston County. Okay, Johnston yeah, County yeah, is where yeah. he's from. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, our boys in blue are always... My brother's a highway patrol in Arizona, so... I got tons of friends in NYPD, so... Yeah, and as do I. And all the, uh, all the other guys. Maybe these guys could have gotten... Um, that that it's disgusting to say because again i i was a guy that had so much respect for quenville so did i and i was ready to give him the benefit of doubts on this but again i i'll go back to what i said in the other thing it's not it's not in your pay grade you're supposed to coach people somebody tells you that you call the cops yeah and you exactly is it just me or does this feel like the whole um Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sean. I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it just, I know Sean's not trying to make light of it. He's just. Yes. Yes. But, yeah. it, was, it was timing. It was timing. Uh, MTA cops. Oh, another, another branch. That's always. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're, you're, you're a bus driver. Stop, Dave. I, I I I I'm talking NYPD. I'm talking cops. I, I do know plenty of uh of and of I, I'm a bartender in in Wantaw. I know every cop. <laughs> what what I was gonna say was um doesn't this feel like a don't meet your heroes type situation? Like or and so kind of. Kind of, I got, I got to say that it's, it's difficult to stomach because again, this isn't, this isn't like a disconnect of generations saying we don't talk about this, we're not going to address this. This, this happened now, happened with Stan Bowman, uh, son of Scotty Bowman who was also, by the way, a consultant at the time with the Blackhawks, too. Yeah, I don't know how much involvement he would have had. I'm not, I'm not going there at all. I'm just saying. No, no. It's I, another I know. voice that could have been in the room to help things. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I... <sighs> and there's not a lot he could have done. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm not. I'm not saying that either. Um, no, no, no. I know you're not. I, I just, it, it just, you know what? I, I, I kind of doubt that. It, maybe he heard about it in passing. I, I, I don't know. I, I it's this, just it's so much of this, this whole thing. This whole thing could have been avoided by doing yep. the right thing from the start. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, Sean, yeah. You're welcome voice. It's just, oh man, it's just, it's, it's, 
Yeah, you, you, you did. You, you, you arrived at a somber point, but I mean, we addressed this earlier on too. And, but yeah, I mean, we couldn't avoid talking about it and, yeah. and it's, it's not politics. It's not like it's somebody just voicing their political opinions and stuff like that. We don't want to get into that type of stuff. That stuff is not us, but this is unavoidable. This is more than hockey and it had to be addressed. Yeah. And, it, and you know what? It, it's, it's, it's how did you not learn your lesson? How did you not? How did they not learn from Sandusky? Not, and they didn't. How, how do you not learn from that? What? what, and what I understand is, that came out, I think it was 2011. So this happened afterwards. But yeah, I think so. This is how, and again, this is how Joel Quenville is going to go out now. You know what? You don't have that. He, he shouldn't be coaching another game. He, he shouldn't be able to coach ever again if that's the case. If if this if, and it sounds like this, I mean, it's pretty much damning because you have all the 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 pieces coming out and saying, uh, David, I, I won't be. I, I I really don't have an interest in baseball right now, so I'll just answer that. Well, I I I did. I watched most of last night's game. That was a bloodbath. But uh, yeah, and and Sean, yeah, you're definitely right. They were wrong in every way that uh, explained what happened. Well, they explain what happened. It, Quenville basically helped push this under the rug. That's that's what happened. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, there's a lot 17. to go over with that. But that's the story of the NHL this week about um, them covering up a sexual assault in their organization. Yeah, it just, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details again because it's just too much to go over over uh, once again. Rich, it's all over the place. I, I, I'm i not trying to blow you off or anything or, you know, be short or snide with you. But Although, by the way, you could comment down below, as I keep saying in there, I want my Phil Wrestling channel. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I know you'll definitely watch. Yeah. But, um, um, it's... This is the sport that I love. This is the league I love. And this I, is the sport I, hate, I love, and it's the league that sucks the most. I hate that. I hate that I could say it's, that. It's, yeah. Well, again, you know, that, at one point, Batman was trending up again. Things are going fine. And unfortunately, we did a, an honest press conference where I was Gary Batman. And I joked about, can I talk about something else? And I think Phil brought up the, uh, the Chicago thing. And I was like, oh, all right, can I go back to the other thing I was uncomfortable talking about? It's it's just, oh, it's it shouldn't have gotten to this. It and and that's again, I, I the saying the cover-up is worse. Cover up is always a bigger scandal. This kid's life is ruined. You know, I mean Kyle Beach, thankfully, has had success post NHL, you know, post trying to make the NHL. He's playing in Germany. He played in Germany, in Austria. I mean, good for him to be able to to have a life post NHL and still do what he loved or what he loves and what he grew up playing. I believe he's playing in a Slovakian league, the last I heard uh, or the last I saw, I should say. But, I mean, he's... But if his dream was to make the NHL and this just completely destroyed it. Or yeah, you're right. It. you're right. But I just, 
I'm just saying it's, you know, it's good that he was able to go on and still play hockey despite everything that happened. And I feel horrible for him and I feel horrible for the other people who have not been named, you know, hopefully they, they get their, they get justice, you know, and, and they get some closure out of this. I, I know that, and I, I feel bad saying the word closure because I know that, that there will never be anything that will change anything that happened to any of the victims. Uh, and I'm not saying closure like that, but seeing these people put the justice and knowing that other people won't have to suffer the same fates that they did and, and deal with the abuse and the trauma, you know, that, that would help, but that would be a start for the NHL and the Chicago Blackhawks. The NHL, they can't just find them $3 million and slap on the rest. You, you've, you've got to go and you've got to hit these guys hard. You've got to go and you hit, got to hit that party. Yeah. I know they're and afraid. And, and you know what, maybe it would have stopped them from hurting another kid. That's I mean, what I'm we saying. Just, we just saw what happened with USA gymnastics. It's, yeah, Dave, it was Kyle Beach, who was a former first-round pick of the Blackhawks, who was uh, one of the players. Uh, he was the player abused. Yeah. Um, the other one, there was a, tw- uh, a, a a female intern, and then there was another um, another uh, player, and then I, I, or another org, uh, member of the organization. And then Aldrich also sexually molested a uh, a high school player in Michigan. So – but yeah, I mean, this was definitely not comfortable. So there were us. three people in this organization, and he still got a letter of commendation. That's what I said before. I just had no words for that because it just. How do you explain that? I'm how do you know that? I'm sick to my stomach about this. How do you how do you know that? How how right, how do you how do you know that and and recommend him to to a team? Like, what's wrong with you? And that's not even the first question to ask what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you for covering this up? How did he not step up for his player? That's another thing. And that's actually a really good point. Your your player, someone in your organization is, you know, coming to the organization with a problem. And it's a one that transcends hockey. Wouldn't you step up? And why didn't the NHLPA step up for Kyle Beach? Like, what's this? Is a total failure from you know what? And and, but but if first of all, the NHLPA is doing a terrible job right now, and it's a guy that has done so much work for players in Major League Baseball, almost too much to the point of where the players have all the power. And he goes to this. He goes between the Jack Eichel situation where a guy, a decision needs to be made sooner or later on his surgery. And he's got to get surgery. So either have somebody explain it to him. Team is old, but, but that's one thing. And then this. That's why I go back to it. Best, best, best league, best sport, worst league, best sport, worst league. Just it, it it's mind boggling. It's absolutely mind boggling to think that all this could go on. Uh, I, I'm going to have to get going guys. I, I really got to start getting ready and stuff. And unfortunately, but, uh, so do I guys. Sorry that it wasn't exactly the most uplifting show that we've had in a while, but yeah, I mean, 
Well, you'll you'll be able to see the Halloween costumes. They're going to be nice and funny. That'll be on on Monday or Sunday, is it? Which one's the which holiday? Halloween's Sunday. Sunday. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So again, in the future, I don't care if it's the New York Rangers that end up being involved in something like this. If it happens, you don't keep it in house. You go and you get you call the police right away. We already had the Knicks. We already had the Knicks with that. Yeah. And yeah, the 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 Casparitis interview, that guy, that guy was absolutely hilarious. So Yeah. Um, so there's still a lot of good things that came out of today, a lot of good hockey talk. Unfortunately, it's that unfortunately the story of the league right now. But we had to, we, we had to delve into this. You even saw the look on my face when, when we did it as a segment. I mean, I don't even want if if I branch it off and do our own video on it, I don't even want likes on it. I just it it's disgusting. It's, it, it is disgusting. It, it's, it's disgusting what happened. It's disgusting what happened as a response. It's disgusting how this kid was treated. It's disgusting how all of them were treated. And it's disgusting that it was swept under the rug and they were slapped in the face the way that they were with their situation being minimized for over a decade. And and again, uh, how, how many Stanley Cups were, were needed to get them to investigate this? We don't need this right now. Who fucking cares if you need it right now? Yeah. I think all leagues should be proactive in that. Get in front of it while you can. There's a stigma in hockey. Again, Mark Mathot, you ever come across this? Whatever you said about there not being a stigma in hockey was a load of shit, buddy. The old boys club still exists. It's alive and well, apparently, and it needs to die. All right, but guys... Again, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we're going to be getting this up on iTunes probably in the next 30 minutes. And just, um, and by the way, domestic domestic violence. It's another one. Needs to be addressed too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because going, and I, and I said this before out of frustration out of the players' side. How many great players, actual NHL players, do you look at and go, oh, yeah, he's great, but no, they're all good characters too. So, yeah. anyway, guys, again, thank you all very much. We're gonna get ready for our hockey games too, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some more fun on another night. Once again, check out Mark in Nashville, uh, toying with new microphones. So sorry about the audio being a little bit off. But I can't say enough about the city of Nashville. That was fantastic. And the people there were great. And I uh, can't wait for the next one to go on the road for. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Ranger game but or an Islander game. But can't wait. There's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, again, thank you and very definitely, much. Uh, yeah, and definitely keep out for the uh, my good, bad, and ugly uh, tweets. I'll, I'll make sure that they're posted in the Facebook group as well. So be on the lookout for those. Have a good and, night, everybody. Uh, and there might even be some video segments. I've already uh, made up a, uh, an intro for John on that one. All right. Again, good night, everybody. Thank you. Take care.